And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are coming to you live from our radio and television studios located in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. If I can get my headset on right here. We're broadcasting, we broadcast live each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Global Star Radio Network. We're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio, as well as uh, you can catch us on YouTube to watch us live each and every night, as well as the archive. We have a great show set up for you tonight. Uh, first, I want to direct you to our websites. HagmanandHagman.com is the website for our radio show, and HagmanReport.com is the website where you will find updated current news and information. Check that site daily, bookmark Hagman Report, and check it daily as we have been continuing to change and uh, more frequently update the content that is there. I am Joe Hagman, my co-host, and my father, Doug Hagman. Dog on better right, you better say your father. <laughs> is here. Is here. You. No, he's been here. He's uh, uh, been dealing with a few things, and uh, his head almost popped off right before the show. That's right, man. And it's funny how that works. Tonight we have Dr. Michael Lake coming on at... Uh, after the first hour, we're going to hit important news this hour as so much is going on uh, beyond the terror attacks in New York, New Jersey. We now have um, the unrest as this cycle of craziness continues. You know what, Joe? It's not, you know, I don't think it's unrest. I, I think the proper word for it is riots. Organized chaos. And it's, organ- yeah, it's, it's orchestrated. It's organized. And if people if people don't see that, uh, it, it's amazing. There, there's a woman's name I found that is behind a lot of the organizing of uh, of these things. And, and I'm, I'm not going to give the name out right now because I don't know if uh, if she's the actual person who are, is organizing this. She's like the heavy hitter. She gets brought into this. Um, a loony leftist democratic national socialist liberal George Soros funded woman and I happened to find on the internet and I'm not sure of its uh, I didn't tell you this uh, I'm not sure of its providence I, I can't I can't guarantee it but I saw a paper on the internet that it's an expense sheet okay for um, last year's Black Lives Matter protests. Would now, it run north uh, of a million? Uh, no, it was just, well, you know, it wasn't added up. It was just like one page of a multi-page document. And I'm trying to find, I'm trying to verify its authenticity. Um, but but when I saw this, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, my goodness, because it had the date, the, the payee, and the uh, purpose, and the amount. Yeah, and you know, first it came out that uh, Soros and other uh, globalist uh, initiatives had put money into Black Lives Matter, first reported 600 and some thousand dollars, but later it showed that there was over uh, 1.2 million dollars funneled into the organization, and uh, they were, and as you see from, you know, 2014, the Michael Brown shooting, all the way through every incident, 
the same people, including Belairs, seem to travel uh, where the problems arise. And uh, even, the, I think, the last serious event, the Communist Party came in and was the ones that were starting uh, most of the trouble. And that was the shooting that took place, I want to say, in Louisiana. Wait a minute, who'd you say that caused the most trouble? The Communist Party. That's right, okay, thank you. They came in so I thought you and, said that. and co-opted sure. the Black Lives Matter movement in a city and was the, uh, according to reports, was the sole provocateur of violence and unrest during these protests. Uh, that, yeah, that was in Milwaukee, because even right. the sheriff came out and explained as much about the Communist Party. I think uh, Sheriff but Clark, yeah. Soros, you know, putting, you know, half a billion dollars just this time around towards uh, continuing to move migrants into the West and uh, folks, hopefully I'll be able to get this uh, lady on. I haven't been able to I haven't tried to contact her yet, but there's a, a great lady uh, who who has some fantastic work, and I don't have her name in front of me, but she does a great job exposing what this refugee crisis is, the truth behind it, and who's uh, paying for it, why they're paying for it, yep. how the UN is involved, and it is it goes so much beyond. Uh, helping refugees is what the state of the administration says is just you know to help with the war-torn nations and their populations getting them into safety but um just in this book the globalization syndrome there's actually a chapter about migration on here international migration and the first two points i read in this book which is the, uh, the furthest i've got uh it goes on to state that that globalization and migration are tied together the changes in migration are not by personal choice, but structured uh, through the control and beyond the control of the citizens um, on both sides, and the power brokers are the ones making those decisions. It is also the engineer flows of human capital, yep. which are linked to power changes in order for a shift towards a global economy. And this is a book that was um, published in the early... 2000s, I believe, well before we had the Syrian uh, Arab Spring War and this push for migration. You know, and I'm just hitting uh, the tip of the iceberg on this. One. Yeah, and, and I'll just mention that I, I sent out a, um, a tweet. <laughs> I can never get used to saying that. I sent out a tweet earlier today on the Hagman Hagman Report. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Hagman Report at Hagman Report whatever that means, but um, at sign Hagman Report. Do I sound like a noob? noob? Yep. I, I do. I, I know I you've done a, it a few times in the past, but... But anyway, I sent one of those things out because it's interesting, uh, Charlotte, the, the riots in Charlotte, the, you know, it, it's you can't candy coat this or sugarcoat this uh, by saying unrest or protests. These are not protests. These are riots. When you've got, there's violence. There's violence. Yes. There's two State things. State of emergency called. There, there, actually, I sent, uh, I think I sent two tweets out. The uh, lawlessness, it will be his legacy. And the one is a, a retweeting of a video of this man just being punched, kicked, beat up, dragged in Charlotte. The, the white man. Yeah. That's right. Reminiscent the of the Milwaukee protest. Uh, you know, go after the whites. Is he white? Attack him. Yeah, that's, that's right. from the crowd. Sean Hannity and others played uh, a, a broad of those clips uh, throughout that last uh, incident. But, and this seems to be the the reoccurring trend now is even though if it's a black police officer shooting a black armed suspect, go kill the whites. That's right. 
That's right. And and it, it amazes me. This whole thing amazes me. But let me tell you something, everyone. I, here's what I here's what I, I I really believe this. Um, concealed carry. Concealed carry in any state across the United States to me is your righteous responsibility. And and I was thinking about this. Even when it's against the law? How can I be against the law if it's... Uh, well, certain states have... Yeah, I you know. know I, or I, cities, I, I guess. I, I'm asking, and I, I'll answer that. Yes. Well, so yes... I would conceal carry regardless. Against any law, state law, whatever. Uh, and I don't, now, if I, I were to get caught, I'd be looking at some jail time, but... It's it's better to be uh, 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 judged by twelve than carried by six, in my view. And if you're a responsible gun owner, barring some you know major uh, run in with the police for some reason, you're Jack not going to get in trouble because if you're a responsible gun owner and you conceal carry, it's ninety nine point nine percent of the time it would never be revealed, nor would it have to be. Exactly, or you wouldn't have to. As long wouldn't. as you're not traveling on you know airplanes and whatnot. If you're sticking to your regular routines, if you uh, you know are obeying the laws like the speed limit and traffic laws, and whatnot, uh, like I said, barring some major incident running with the police, nobody would ever know that you concealed carry if you did so in a responsible manner. Exactly, and um, I, I mean, I, I personally would not visit. This is just my view. I wouldn't. I would not. Uh, uh, if a mall or a store said, uh, you know, no weapons allowed, and I'm legally, for example, if I have a legal concealed weapons permit and, and the store says no weapons allowed, um, I, I personally will not will not uh, buy anything at that store. I will not enter that store. I will not uh, be a customer of that store or that whatever that is. Um, and I've seen those before and have encountered situations where I'm concealed carrying and I come up to a sign that says that. I just ignore it, you know. Well, you know, that's because that's it's just a, me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, people will argue and assert that if a, a person, for example, I own this, I own this studio, for example, or in, in, in name only, I guess, right? Or my, my home. I'll just use my home the as bank. an example. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I own my home. So if, if I put a sign up that says no weapons allowed, that's my right. And I understand that. And, and if you want to assert that right, that's fine. But if you're a business owner and you say no weapons allowed, then I have the right just if you if you've got the right to put up a sign and bar weapons, bar someone who's legally carrying a gun, then I've got the right as a consumer not to patronize your store. And I intend very much to do that. I will not buy anything in your store. I will not go on your property because I if if that's a choice of mine. So I think we're in a position right now. I, I truly believe this that it's. Um, uh, as a Christian and as a conservative, and understand there's a distinct difference between the two. Yeah. Although conservatism is is more in line with the Christian Christian faith, I believe. But but even that said, if um, if you are legally allowed to carry a weapon, this is a statement, my view, and you don't. How would you feel if you were walking down that through the parking lot of the mall? And you see a woman two rows over being attacked or raped by by a group of thugs, and you are unable to. I mean, you're outnumbered clearly, 
what can you do? Call the police? You know, when uh, when seconds counts, the police are always minutes away. This is not a dig on police. I mean, the, it's ridiculous to think that uh, the police should save you. They're not going to save you. And in all honesty, gun or no gun, if you're seeing somebody in that amount of danger... But I like the odds better with a gun. Exactly. But I don't, for, I would hope for the most part that, that wouldn't, if they were armed or not, would not stop somebody from intervening. No, I hope not. But it's like, um, those signs on the doors. If they put signs up that said, you know, no uh, Bibles allowed, and I had a Bible in my back pocket, is that going to stop me from going in the store or make me, am I going to remove my, my Bible? We know that the Constitution set laws up to protect people from the governments. The governments have since encroached on those laws and turned it around and has have used the Constitution and the laws of this land to go after the citizens. And they've expanded the bureaucracy, uh, you know, a million fold. So, you know, in the obviously we're, we're arguing about semantics here because well, the police think, and judges will yeah. uphold the law, but there's a sign that says, you know, uh, if you go into an antique shop and on the front they say, you know, guns allowed, or uh, no weapons allowed. Is it really unconstitutional if you have, uh, if you are legally carrying a gun, concealed carry, open carry, depending on your state? Uh, is it really constitutional for them to say no? I mean, look at the well, look at the water argument. Of that. The, the bakers uh, who refused to bake cakes for homosexual weddings. Um, that was just a belief that business held, and they found it to be discrimination. Wouldn't it be discrimination against those who carry weapons legally not to be able to bring it in the store? That's just a thought. Hmm. Well, it, it, anyway, it's, it's it's my view. If you've, Again, if you're in Charlotte or if you're in Los Angeles or wherever you might be, if you are legally allowed to carry, you've got the license, uh, I would really urge you to, to definitely be armed at all times, given the environment that we face today. And this is the lawlessness byproduct of Barack Hussein Obama and all of the progressive, liberal, democratic, national, socialist uh, uh, thugs in power all across the United States and in the executive branch and in the legislative branch. And don't uh, just get a gun. Um, you know, one thing that we did that was very helpful was take a, oh, okay. a, a, okay. a class, a law enforcement certified concealed carry class. And if you're, they, you're real good, you'd say take a, uh, take a, a battle class, you know, and, and uh, I mean, you, you can't just go buy a gun and, um, just keep it around you. I mean, you need to know how to take it apart. You need to know how it shoots. You need to know your weapon. And uh, it hasn't really been a problem. And I'm sure it, it will be if this ever comes to, you know, an armed revolution or civil war. But you need to learn how to use that gun. And one thing I learned during that class is when guns malfunction, and they can um, more often than, than you'd think, uh, a lot of people would just, you know, toss the gun thinking it's, you know, broken. But if you learn about the guns, you learn about how to use them. You learn uh, simple and easy tricks on how to uh, take care of those kind of field strip it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And 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 it's not that difficult. If if a couple of you know morons like Joe and I can do it, Mm -hmm. we you can do it. I mean, it's not that difficult to to field strip a a weapon and uh, even ARs. You know. So, uh, but but really, and I I know I was talking with uh, Steve Quayle too uh, about things. And things are getting bad, so I, I think it's it's. And he agrees too that we should be, um, we, we should be able to protect, protect not only ourselves but but those or those around us. And you know, if you have not purchased a weapon, you might want to do that in the prep 
phase here. If you're a prepper, uh, that might be... If I did not have a weapon, that kind of would be on, on the top of my preparations list in addition to food and water, but uh, a weapon so you can protect yourself. Before we go any further, I just want to mention that tonight's program brought to you by Elite Island Resorts. That's Elite Island Resorts. Do you want to get away for the holidays, maybe? Leave the chaos behind? Oh, wouldn't that be great? How about relaxing in the Caribbean? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that. I've, we, we, we've found an amazing getaway at an amazing price. The Pineapple Beach Club in Antigua. Right now, for just $99 per person per night, you can enjoy an adults-only that's 16 and above, all-inclusive holiday getaway on a white sandy beach. Folks, this is fabulous. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com. Or call 800-772-8711 to make your reservation today. Or go to hagmanreport.com, click on the pineapple in the right-hand side, and just take take a look at that website. I guarantee you, you're going to be looking um, to, to make your reservations as soon as possible. That's pineapplebeachclub.com, and, uh, of course, mention hagmanreport.com. All right. Yep. A lot, a lot of things taking place, and yeah, um, Doctor Lake will be joining us in the second and third hour. Yeah. He is uh, going to be talking about a number of things, and if you look at the title of the show, that is what he said he was going to uh, or wanted to focus on, which was the uh, the revival uh, that is here. The let me make sure I get this right. The emerging of the remnant ministries, emerging of the remnant ministries, which I would call a revival from uh, Bible-believing Christians who have been revived and are on a new path, searching and walking with their Lord, reading their Bibles, rededicating themselves. Uh, these are both people inside and outside of the church. But we're going to wait until he comes in to explain more of that. So it's going to be a, a, a fascinating show, as always, with Dr. Michael Lake. He also has a special for Hagman and Hagman listeners, and I will wait till he comes on to uh, get into this. But uh, he's got a new book coming out. His last the book, Sharif Imperative. Yeah, his uh, last book yep. was the Shinar Directive. Yep. Um, and the Sharif Imperative is his new book. I believe it comes out at the end of yep. next month, this yeah. month or next month. It's the end, I think at the end of. Oh, it's on his website. Yeah, it's right here. But this is a great book, The Shinar Directive, Preparing the Way for the Son of Perdition. When his uh, the Sharif imperative is completed, he's going to come on with Steve Quayle and Tom Horn to talk about it, uh, which is something I don't think I told no, you. No, he didn't tell me that. To me today. Okay. So we will have the heads up uh, from them when month. the book comes out. Yeah, yeah and I wrote the forward to that. Um, um, You've been writing a lot of forwards uh, and blurbs yeah. lately forwards afterwards and in betweens but uh yeah exactly well thank you and, and we're anxious for dr lake to join us i i getting back to uh uh the the riots in, in north carolina you know the again the legacy of lawlessness left by obama think about this the white house josh Ernest essentially legitimized or validated these protests by stating that the um the protesters angered by the fatal police shooting of a black man in Charlotte, North Carolina. He An said that there were some legitimate concerns. Black man. Now, from what I understand, I haven't looked into oh, the story too much. Oh, I saw Channel 9 from Charlotte. They're and now saying, and I believe it was a pastor who was shot, and he did have his hands up at, at some point. I watched the oh, video this once. Is another one. Oh, okay. Then I'm wrong no, about that. This is, uh, yeah, this is one. Yeah, what uh, am I thinking? North Carolina, Tulsa. 
Okay, so yeah, I have not seen the video. But yes, it, this uh, last night was a second night of violence and, yep. and mayhem in the city. Uh, there's been a state of emergency that has been uh, called into action by the North Carolina government, activating the National Guard troops that will be arriving in Charlotte. Looting and vandalism happened in North Carolina's largest city for the second night in a row, as they expect another round of violence tonight. But but all of this started, the narrative started, and there's that word again, narrative. Uh, it all started when the sister of this shooting victim, uh, a choice of words there, I don't know how else to place it, the guy who was shot by police, the sister gets on Facebook and said he was holding a book or it was a book. Well, clearly Channel 9 from Charlotte uh, showed a, a um, there are still images on, on across the Internet you can see taken from that uh, Channel 9 TV interview or uh, video where there's a gun on the ground just a foot or two from this guy's body. Um, and some will say, well, that's a throwdown weapon. Really? Well, you know, obviously the police in certain certain police officers in certain cities uh, have a propensity for violence. A lot of I mean, Some of those people signed up to be police officers in order to to be part of that violence and obviously that is completely wrong but what we see here is this continued narrative that the police have killed you know are killing african americans at such an alarming rate it far surpasses anything we've seen before when in reality the facts state otherwise that uh, white males are more likely to be killed by police and it's not acceptable when we see situations police shooting unarmed men Un, unprovocated. Uh, oh, wait a second. Hey, the one in Charlotte are not. No, they're on, not making on. the differentiations anymore in the media. But but between, I mean, you can have uh, a kid walking home from the store being shot in the back by the police for no reason, and you'll have the same outrage when an armed robber is shot by police while shooting at police. Correct. The media's not Correct. making the differentiations between the right shootings and the wrong shootings anymore, classifying all of them as you know police. Uh, uh, brutality. Well, Limbo was talking about this day. After any police shooting, riots are now the new normal and are expected. But don't forget in Charlotte, the uh, victim in this case, or the, the I'm not the victim, the, the guy with the gun that was shot, Keith L. Scott, he had a gun when police approached him. He was shot by a black police officer. And all of this is being purposely left out of the story by this progressive liberal media to, to stoke up anger and resentment. Uh, among the people. And this is, again, legitimized by the White House. And it's a shame. You've got the first black, which is incorrect. He's, he's Arab, mm-hmm. not black, but, uh, typically the first black president aside from Bill Clinton now in the White House. Uh, uh, and this is his legacy. The legacy is this lawlessness. And don't forget, Charlotte had racial harmony for the most part until Black Lives Matter and the Nation of Islam inserted themselves into this into this uh, uh, issue, into this uh, situation. And, you know, um, the Financial Times <clears throat> has an article today, and they don't talk about Black Lives Matter. They don't talk about the racial instability as being the threat to the nation uh, and its continue, the ability to continue unhindered. They say the Trump is the threat to the global order. This is what they're focusing on. Not the true threats that are being funded by these leftists. Trump is the threat to the global order, they say, which has a ring of truth, and I know I don't want to jump too far ahead, but um, the media and 
pun- political pundits and the people who call the shots behind the scene, the money men, they are doing what your uh, source said that they were going to do back in 2012. Oh yeah, but but no, see that that was all just bogus stuff. I don't, I didn't really have a source, right? I just but I was listening to voices in my head. Every time we get into one of these situations, I make a point to mention. Uh, Thank you. You know, Thank the you. coming civil unrest, uh, Rosebud. The DHS yeah. Insider reports that you've done that continue to be proven 100% accurate. You know, and I and I often think back to those conversations and and the meetings and and such. And and the only thing he was not correct on was the timing because we expected this in the, in the, in the wake or in, or in the run up to the I'm sorry, not in the wake, but in the run up to the 2012 elections. And obviously. And timeline switch. Well, you know, yeah. yeah, and I was thinking about that as well, and um, I had the opportunity recently to speak to this source um, who, who gave me some additional information, which, uh, you know, it, it, it's, well, there's additional information to come yet. Now, understand my, this this particular source in the, uh, the, uh, the periphery of DHS or within DHS is not the periphery of DHS having taken a retirement and... Uh, I get I get emails saying, "Well, you're giving out too much information about this person." Well, you know, do you realize that the Department of Homeland Security is the largest cabinet uh, uh, cabinet uh, department of our government? I mean, what is it? Two uh, hundred and fifty thousand, quarter million employees in DHS. I mean, it's it's incredible. So don't worry about about my what I'm saying about the, about the source, folks. But all that said, uh, I'll have more. And the information specific to the elections, uh, I don't think we're going to have a debate, by the way. What do you guys think? Well, Joe, what do you think? You know, Eric mentioned something about that today. There was a story from yesterday or the day before that says that there is an indication that uh, Hillary might skip the debate, and I'm looking for that here. But uh, rumblings, Hillary Clinton may cancel debate that from the Gateway Pundit earlier this week, and we see the lack of her campaigning, the lack of her rallies. Trump's doing two, three rallies a day in different cities across the country. Hillary's doing events once a week if she's lucky, and it's gotten so bad, even the Huffington Post has released an article basically saying um, uh, Hillary... Is, is calling it in, is phoning it in, and it's basically over from what, their own words. But um, we're going to get into that and more on the other side of this break, followed by Dr. Lake in the next hour. Stay with us. I didn't have a. I, I didn't. I didn't have a short circuit as Hillary might or as uh, Hillary might state. No, I didn't. I was. I was caught in the middle of a thought there. Uh, you could tell that this is unscripted. Hey, keep both eyes straight. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and this is not to make fun of her. And, and that's, no. you know, it, it's it's really not. It's, it's just she's, so it, odd. The, the entire thing here is to me is the hubris, and I and I 
intentionally use that word hubris because it's almost as if the globalists are are pushing her you know stuffing her uh propping her up using pillows and making her go out now i know that's not the case i know that she's that she's doing it on her own i mean that that, that she's got that much again hubris yes um the, to do this she's not the type to quit but but if you really cared about someone and and this is just me if i cared uh, uh, if this was a loved one of mine or a friend of mine i'd say you know come on uh you're not you know i mean I would be very concerned about that person's well-being. As well as her family should and everything. Yeah. But when you look at their allegiances, her mentor, Saul Alinsky, uh, who sure. dedicated his book to Lucifer, her, one, another one of her mentors, Margaret Sanger, who, uh, you know, set out to rid the, the world of African American babies through abortion in her own words. These people are evil. Evil drives them. Power drives them as well. And if she was, you know, <laughs> If she lost all of her arms and legs and her hair, I don't think that would even stop her from uh, continuing this run for president. Even if they did have to literally prop her up unconscious, uh, yes, they exactly. would continue to do this because they are not about love. They are not about caring for one another. They care about power. You know, when you look at Hillary, too, and watch her um, Twitter tweets, whatever... I still can't. I, I have a hard time wrapping my mouth around that word, the tweets. Um, something, something not alpha male with that. But anyway, um, she she sent a uh, or she sent a tweet out after, in the wake of the Charlotte shooting that blamed the system or um, falsely slandered the Charlotte police officers as racist murderers. I mean, that was the essence of her of her message. And this before the facts were in. Now, if I don't, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, wasn't Trump vilified for coming out Saturday night last week and saying there was a bombing in New York City? Even though she said bombing, just well, she moments said, afterwards, right after CNN edited it out. But and here we have her stoking the fires and fanning the flames of this racism. This is all orchestrated by the globalists, as, as Joe, as you mentioned before, so kindly mentioned about, about my source back in 2012, the individual who I met with and spoke to about the, uh, about the civil unrest that was being stoked by the globalists. It's now here. And I think that they're trying to finish this, their objectives. They had the objectives before the 2012 elections. He sailed in, meaning Obama sailed in. There was really no fight between him and Romney. So, uh, why bother? Why waste a good plan on, on when it's not necessary? Now I think that uh, now that they're being threatened here by this by this uh, election, they're they're going to burn it all down. Well, what it is, see, uh, with whatever Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump says, it is uh, really not the issue because in times past, the media would correct these wrong statements or point out where somebody's misplacing blame, mm-hmm. uh, basically just doing their job and fact checking and uh, doing so based on what the, the candidates and pundits have said. But now the media is so intermingled with our government, specifically the Democratic side. I call it a match made in hell, <laughs> the marriage made in hell, media's marriage to government, that it's. we talked about how it's no longer about investigative journalists. It's not honest or transparent. It's not for the benefit of the citizens. There are individuals who are very good in their fields, yet censored by their networks and other uh, 
uh, reasons and, and people that, you know, keep them away from, and you saw this firsthand with Benghazi. Certain reporters had the information about the truth. Yeah, and they decided not to say a word. Decided not to, to protect their jobs. But, and this but, is a new, yeah. you know, a new era of media. When people ask and wonder why the alternative media has gained such traction over the last five, ten years, and in my opinion, we haven't even seen you know, uh, a quarter of how it's going to peak in the near future, uh, barring the internet continuing to be free. It's because of this. People understand that the media is just another basic government agency. That's why disapproval for media is at an all-time high. The the assault on um, the conservative voice in the media that would be us included. Um, if you watch this, Hillary Clinton referenced or labeled uh, anything outside of the progressive mindset as alt-right. Mm-hmm. And folks, she, she did said this for a reason. Her health issues in the news were conspiracy right. theories. Right. And uh, obviously that was proven wrong because, uh, you know, the conspiracy theories turned out to be true. And in a, a much bigger way than I think she even expected. But what's worse is the media yeah. carries these lies. They protect her. And we talked about this story yesterday, but I just want to mention the headline again because it's going to play an important role in what we're talking about and in the debates. Debate rules being set by Hillary donors. Yeah, it kind of a backdoor infrastructure or backdoor setup of the uh, debate rules, which... It's obviously the debate donors aren't coming forward saying I donated to Hillary. We're gonna, we're gonna. These are the rules. No, no, no. It's done through the back door, through the press, through the media, through the, um, uh, well, under the pretext of of the structure of the debates. In the WikiLeaks uh, dump, one of the last dumps, it showed Hillary Clinton's campaign talking about which shows on which networks to hit, mm-hmm. and many That's people right. took this as the list. Of reporters on those uh, emails, as not, they were, you know, uh, basically operatives of Clinton. But the lists were from Bill O'Reilly and Megyn Kelly on Fo- and Shepard Smith on Fox News. To, you yeah. know, the, the the word "hit" is simply but airtime. What they do, what what was done, is these uh, same uh, heads of the TV shows, uh, Bill O'Reilly and whatnot, continued to echo the talking points given to them by the Clinton campaign. You know, she's going to right. press through, and she didn't think the pneumonia would, would set her back. I mean, they gave out a list of talking points, which ended up being released to the public. And no matter which station on the news networks you went to, even trickling down to the local news, these same talking points were echoed from state, uh, from local to state to federal, uh, or, you know, nationwide cable by both the left and the right. Mm-hmm. So there is a... Uh, as we've known, a connection here. We know that six companies own all the major news networks and print, radio, and uh, uh, TV, and that there is no real competition in the news. It's just a different uh, umbrella company under the same companies presenting facts in a different way, whether it's to the left or to the right, to continue to play to the two-party narrative, getting us nowhere. And as in regards to the truth, yeah, yeah, and and if I can if I can just go back to the alt right designation, um, I, it it that is so key that designation alt right is so key, I believe because a lot of uh, 
pseudo-conservatives will grab onto that title and will disparage anyone under the umbrella of that title. And those people who do, if you follow the money, if you follow the interests, if you follow the direction of those people, whether they're just, uh, you know, minor bloggers in, in the scheme of things or whether they're credentialed journalists or whether they're authors or whether they're talk show hosts or, or radio show hosts, you'll find that there's a common thread among those people. You, you might have to look hard and dig pretty hard, but you'll see, much like you've seen the relationships being exposed of the people in the, within the media to, to the globalist Clinton agenda, the Clinton Foundation. The and don't don't for one second don't think that the Clinton Foundation is a minor deal, or even the Clinton emails uh, crimes is a minor deal. The Clinton Foundation and the Clinton criminal cabal is a big deal because that encompasses others as well, other powerful people within the Beltway, many people compromised. That Clinton criminal cabal, um, some I've, I've read in different places where some say, and Joe, tell me what you think about this, some say if you, if you, if you take Hillary out of the uh, running for president, if, 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 or if she loses, that that will adversely affect the Clinton um, Foundation. And I don't agree with that. I, I, I think that no, this foundation is self-perpetuating. The foundation is, uh, in, in reality, um, the only thing, the only way that they're going to continue to gain money is by giving political speeches. She already uh, built the Clinton Foundation and the riches of the Clinton Foundation through a number of corrupt enterprises, one being the Haiti earthquake relief, yeah. yep. stealing billions of dollars and rebuilding money from Haiti, funneling it right into her charity. Secondly, uh, the... Stop right there. That, that, that Haiti, when Clinton, when they did that with Haiti, the the, the Haitians are angry. The president the of, of Haiti actually came and spoke out about it, and he... I didn't get through the video. It was right before the show. Uh, I think Eric was listening to it while I had it on, but the... Um, I mean, he is out in full swing against Hillary Clinton, as well as uh, the Bosnians. And when Joe Biden's campaign plane landed in Bosnia about a month ago, he was met with, uh, you know, all Trump supporters. And that's because of what the Clintons did while they were in the White House, bombing uh, Bosnia under false pretenses and blowing up a lot of their infrastructure. Now, folks, if you remember in 2009, the Department of Homeland Security released a lexicon, a law enforcement guide as to how to classify different types of possible domestic extremists. And on the very top of the first page of the definitions and, and terms is alternative media, which is defined as a term used to describe various information sources that provide a forum for interpretations of events and issues that differ radically from those presented in mass media products and outlets. Meaning, the alternative media is a form of media that disagrees radically with the narratives fed to you through the mass media therefore mm. you are uh, considered that's an indicator that you could be a domestic extremist it's called the domestic extremist lexicon domestic extremism lexicon now the alt right apparently the definition of alt right is and is tied to white supremacy due to 
in their in their footnotes yeah. of a Trump supporter uh, somehow, which doesn't make much sense. And I don't like the term alt right anyway. The alternative no, I, I media is a, a, a fitting term, but. What but, we see well, today, all right, is across is it reportedly a cross section of the alternative or of the new media on the internet. That's I'm just saying, that's how they look at it. And we see, you know, as we uh, the the looming date for the turnover of the Internet Authority to a international organization is right around the corner, just what, eight days away. We're still unsure as to uh, what changes will be made, if any. If censorship is coming, if political speech will be uh, curbed, and if there will be a redefining of the terms, you know, provocative and/or hate speech, and that's something we got to keep our eye on. Yeah, I, I, I think just because of the takeover of the ICANN, the, the registrations of the, um, uh, the, the naming registrations, when you, in, in Congress by the way, has the ability to veto this, although it is tied to a, a, a funding bill, but they can they can go around. I mean, there are ways that they can mm-hmm. undo this, um, but Ryan and Mitchell don't appear don't appear to be too interested in doing so. At least that's kind of what I've seen. Um, but you, the and Fox News asked, is the president going to veto the bill or veto the legislation before it becomes I mean, effective? Well... Which is yeah. uh, okay. Huh. He's the one that you know made it happen. Why would he throw throw a rent, monkey wrench in there to stop it? We're we're getting reports. This is on a different note. We're getting reports that because Tulsa, the uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. But by, by the way, Pat Campbell is KFAQ out in Tulsa. He's a talk show host, but. Uh, this did not come from him. I don't want to misattribute anything to him. Getting information from sources out around Tulsa that uh, they're expected to go on some sort of a lockdown because of expecting the riots, expecting similar riots as Charlotte. They're getting information that uh, both Black Lives Matter and other groups are there settling is. in. Now, the Tulsa incident happened days and days before the Charlotte Charlotte incident. And that was the one where they released the there video on no, that. And they did release the video on it. And right. the, the night after they released the video, there wasn't anything about looting, rioting. There were protests. There were vigils. There were vigils, calls yes. to action. Yes. But there was not any type of, of hostility, anger, or violence. Now you say Black Lives Matter is moving in. Just, just so you know, this involves the on-duty police officer Betty uh, Shelby shooting uh, Pastor Terrence Crutcher. Mm-hmm. That's who she shot, and she's being charged. It's my understanding the Tulsa County District Attorney's charging her with first-degree uh, manslaughter. Now, I don't. Th- that's, you watch that video? Yes, yes. That was the, there was one taken from it's the not helicopter. Cut and dry to where he was just standing. He was moving around a little bit. I only saw it Is once. That, so. that, that's the one. Did you traffic see stop? Uh, right. Yeah, he had okay. his hands up. Right. You know, the, I don't. I didn't see the part where the cops shot him. I saw him moving around though. No, the, the bit, one. But. The one from the news station shows the actual shooting. Uh, the one from the helicopter shows the shooting and shows shows he was <clears throat> allegedly tasered first or shot with a taser, which. The difference between a taser and a stun gun is the taser has the probes go out and they stick in your, you know, go through your clothes and stick in your skin. And the uh, stun gun is up close and personal. But but apparently he was tasered and then shot. Um, and let, then, let me ask you this. How much of the Black Lives Matter involvement 
and and uh, the fueling of these protests do you believe are due to take focus away from Hillary Clinton's crumbling campaign? I mean, well, this has happened. Are these monica missiles like you know? Um, could be, uh, especially when I hear Tulsa. You know, after there was no real unrest, uh, no violence. You know, days four or five days later, now there's going to be Black Lives Matter people moving in, trying to create a scenario where. Yeah, I understand what you're asking, but I don't think it's. I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think it'd be. I could think it could be done for for multiple reasons. I think that the, the, mm-hmm. the riots are being done for multiple reasons that have the benefit of taking people's eyes off of the of the election, the of the um, Hillary's conditions, and even. Um, Act, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, don't pay attention to that. That's just a diversion. And we saw that with the Obama birth certificate, uh, legitimacy. Mm-hmm. And to me, when I hear that, I, my, my, I just get this really weird feeling. People are in that mindset or people in that, um, uh, people are, are, to me, people are missing the big picture. I mean, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. Now I understand some people might argue that point. Um, however, on the day. Depending on the day, that's right. But but see, we we should be able to to, to keep our eyes on multiple areas, and not just one. Reporting on, for example, the the uh, the riots. I'm not going to say protests. I'm not going to say unrest. They're riots. That they're murderous riots that are orchestrated by the globalists. Yes, that does take some ten- attention away from what what's going on with Hillary and and, and the globalists. But you can report on both. And, and so to answer your question, I think that the the benefit. The benefits of these riots are are multiple, at least according to, in the eyes of the globalists. Okay, so, I mean that's just my view. Um, you know, well, was specifically yes. at Tulsa, I was wondering, you know, are they trying to maneuver or move people down there to create some kind of unrest and, and more uh, people coming out on the ground in order to continue to inflate not only this issue but what's in Charlotte and divert attention away from the campaign although with charlotte you really don't have to divert attention away from the campaign it's going to be there no matter what due to the incident um, as this is the new norm when it comes to the community's backlash to police shootings you know it's it's sad uh that this is the new norm um but but i think it's here to stay as long as obama's not just Obama, but 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 the the people who are associated with Obama remain in power or calling the shots, because in order to to get the United States out of the way, they, they they're going to have to take us down from the inside, and they're going to do that through to, through racial, social, and economic division that's taking place right now. The mechanism is, of course, the uh, focusing in on the shootings like this. They're being stoked up by the media, the mm-hmm. ever obedient, ever obedient media, and of course, and the violence is is, is misrepresented too. It, and it has no, uh, it does not fix anything. It makes everything worse. Uh, I'm not saying there shouldn't be protests or people aren't allowed to voice their opinion, but with all these people expending all this energy out there, I'm sure they can come together and find a way to affect change with the energy and and things that they have going. Uh, at the local levels, maybe, you know, help implement or, uh, you know, new police guidelines or training to help avoid these kind of things, incidences in the future. Not that I'm blaming police, but Not taking certain measures that will, you know, 
be the community will be thankful for or say this is a step in the right direction and the police can can continue and go through those and say look this is we're trying to you know better have better relations with the community as we don't want this to happen again but instead this creates a further divide between the police and the community as uh, police are also under fire in these protests because they are the ones to blame including whites somehow which if i understand this correctly a black officer shot uh, a black uh, person the, the, that's in charlotte the that's correct a black officer shot but you have scott you know uh, right. his brother saying you know white people are devils white people are being targeted being you know beaten pulled out of their cars kind of like the la riots with uh, rodney king not adding to any type of, of peace or uh, possible productive solutions. Um, what I'll do here is I will, Eric. I'm going to send you this this uh, picture. All right, and th- this is of the Channel Nine footage. It's a still image of the Channel Nine footage. I'm not sure how many people have seen this, but we can put it up on our uh, on our. Uh, uh, video feed here for YouTube users if you're looking, if you're watching us live I think this is important um, I do, I think this is important for people to see, this is a still image from Channel 9 out of, out of Charlotte, it does show, this is unedited right from Channel 9 and, um, and you can take a look and, and, and see what we're talking about, this does show the gun this shows the, the weapon that was in front of uh, Keith Scott and it doesn't look like a book, that's for sure. So, all right. So, j- just keep your eyes on the screen here, and it's off to you. So right. we'll try to get that up. But yeah, it, in the officer shooting in Tulsa, that's a little bit sketchier. There's a white female police officer shooting a black uh, a black man, black motorist. But on that, too, and I just want to check my notes on this because it, it is important to understand that uh, this gentleman was known, has a history with the police department. Um, See, when I hear that, it's neither here nor there. Well, he had a history with, uh, he had a PCP drug, in history of being a PCP user. He completely ignored the officer's commands and other patrol officers by walking back to his driver's door and reaching inside. Now, the, the video doesn't really show, it's not really clear. I mean, you're taking it from a helicopter and it's kind of bumpy. And, you know, I have a police history, so when I hear that, that's why well, I kind yeah, of shrug it off. But, but, but let me tell you something. I, I, I learned something once. I ran from the cops. As like a teenager. Just make sure you... Because I just people, want to say this. I broke my wrist. Yeah. Trying to run from the cops. And how old were you? Fourteen. Being stupid. I was. Oh, I wasn't eighteen yet. I was going to break your. You're lucky you broke your wrist because you would have gotten your neck broken. Yeah, by and me. I was lucky because I did. Des- I mean, if they would have caught up to me, I would have deserved to be thrown to the ground. You know, knee in the back of my neck, handcuffed, whatnot. So uh, it's surprising to me, especially people with a criminal history, that feel the need to run from the police or well, to create further just, trouble by not complying. Right, but but. Just to be clear, folks. I mean, I mean, because you know, anything we say, it seems like everything we say is going to be uh, is always used either out of context or or in, oh, in yeah. a very offensive way against us. That's why I've Just said so it since know, the beginning of the show. Yeah, since you we were been young. on there, I've had uh, you were young, and without those criminal and, and other issues I had as a, uh, a youngster, 
who knows if I would be where I am today. So I can't right. discount those uh, or say I wish they never happened. Um, just a few moments no, wait, before the, the break. picture's up. Picture's on, on screen. All right, so that's My from Channel 9 footage. There it goes. There it is. If you look just to the lower and the right side, that object right on the uh, to the left of the circle, the 9 and the circle to the left of that channel identification marker is a gun. It's not a book. It's a gun. Just so you know. Okay. And, yeah, this is a, a, an issue that I'm going to have to look into further. Um Another quick headline just before break, as Dr. Michael Lake will be joining us after the break. HSBC prosecution unveils massive Clinton money laundering scheme. Following the rest of senior HSBC bankers, information about illegal money laundering scheme by the Clinton Foundation has come to light. Now, folks, don't forget HSBC is the biggest uh, uh, drug money laundering bank in the world. Year after year, they're a fined hundreds of millions of dollars for laundering billions of dollars in drug money. Um, it's a small fee slap on the wrist compared to the money they're making. But now the HSBC is being tied to uh, Hillary Clinton offshore money laundering operations on a massive scale. Uh, this according to State of the Nation as well as World Net Daily and something that we're going to continue to talk about in the future here as more about Hillary Clinton's criminal history, well, all her history is criminal, continues to surface. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. When we come back, Dr. Michael Lake, his website, Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. You're not going to want to miss this next segment. Stay with <coughs> so happy to have our guest next guest on here dr michael lake the author of the shinar directive the shinar directive his website kingdomintelligencebriefing.com that's kingdomintelligencebriefing.com he's a great friend he's a great author the shinar directive is one of the most comprehensive books about babylon and really about the way uh things played out and it, it gives it gives the reader not just insight and information about Babylon and, and the plains of Shinar, but it gives, in at least in my view, people insight about current events because Absolutely. what, is, what they're trying to do is, is re, re, reconstruct the Tower of Babel, the, the one world order, the one world government. Right on the back of the book, it, it talks about how the uh, it, it pertains to financial systems to enslave mankind, political systems to control nations, watcher technologies to empower yeah. their agenda, mind control, transhumanism, all things we see today. And it is a fantastic book, the Shinar Directive, preparing the way for the son of perdition. And Dr. Michael Lake, to me, is is one of the most intellectually, you know, just a great intellectual mind, a, a Bible scholar, and someone that I could listen to really all day long. Dr. Michael Lake, thanks for coming on the Hagman and Hagman Report. It's a pleasure to be with you guys tonight. Well, so the pleasure is all ours, let me tell you. 
Uh, there's so much going on. We were just going through the headlines. Just going to give you an idea of the run-up to your appearance uh, on the show. We were going over the headlines, the, the hot topics. Of course, we have we have riots in Charlotte and riots expected, perhaps in Oklahoma. You've got the globalists pushing out uh, uh, kind of their last gasp before the change of power with the elections. Um, any any commentary and any anything you see going on right now that perhaps. Uh, You've got some insight on or would like to comment on? I, I think there's some desperation going on. I, I think God is getting ready to do some things, and then the remnant have been praying and, and really pushing in and seeking the face of God. And, you know, they, they have their person that they want elected, and uh, I think that uh, they're going to do stuff if that person's elected, but I also think uh, that they're going to try to retaliate if the other one gets elected because, it, you know, not a part of the club. Uh, but at the, at the same time, I've been hearing reports that uh, Lindsey Williams uh, shared that for the first time in quite a while that there was direct intervention, uh, that God has stopped some of their plans. And this probably been the first time in, in decades that they've actually seen the sovereign move of God. And I think it's the beginning of many sovereign moves of God that we're going to see. And so the enemy's going to pull out his stops and, and try everything they can do. But if we'll press into God and really seek to uh, be led by the Holy Spirit, I think we're going to start seeing God begin to interject himself into American life again. Hence the remnant, right? I mean, the, yeah. the development of the remnant. And, and you're, you're, you really are, you, you touch on this on, on your, in your writings and in your, in your talks. and the, This would be great. I mean, um, God's people, God's remnant. We, we uh, folks, if you go to HagmanReport.com, this is kind of an aside, Doctor. Like, uh, uh, it's interesting because we have a, a just a two or three minute. It was about a three minute video of uh, Flip Benham at a Charlotte City uh, City Council meeting on July 30th of this year, and he came out and he he told the Charlotte City Council that based on their uh, their votes, their their ad, advocacy for this transgenderism and the abortion clinics in the city there would be blood on the streets and he uh, 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 Flip Benham said there won't be enough police to protect your city and it was an ominous warning to those who with ears to hear the reason I brought that up right now is because everything to me, what, what you're speaking of Dr. Lake and what people are looking for is that spiritual connection to current events and I think that you speak about that and that from that is going to develop That's from that is going to arise the remnant the righteous remnant so that, if anything to me that's the silver lining and the cloudy murkiness of, of the current events you know one of the things that uh, I've said for quite a while I, I remember uh, being raised Baptist and, and you know they always talk about you know we did, need to go to a book of Acts church and, you know, the Book of Acts Church understood the, the power of the Holy Spirit. They understood our Hebraic heritage, but it was also a church that was under a type of persecution. And uh, I, I think that we're already experiencing that to a great deal. And what the enemy doesn't count on is you put enough pressure on true believers, and they start hitting their knees and seeking the face of God. And they quit playing church, and they start being the church. And I think that's where we're at right now, is that we're, at, we're on a, a precipice or we're just on the very edge of moving into something of, the, of this end-time ministry that is going to be so distinct and so powerful 
that the only way that we can even grid it is we're going to have to just add it on to the book of Acts because it's going to be a continuation of what we see there in our day. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Dr. Lake, I know we have a number of things that you want to talk about tonight. You have uh, somebody with you as well, and you also put together a special for the Hagman and Hagman listeners. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you start where you want to. Uh, we're talking about ten- tonight with Michael Lake, the emerging of remnant ministries, folks, and uh, he's bringing uh, a guest on with him, and we're going to talk about a number of things. Uh, you want to start by explaining to the listeners about the deal you put together for uh, your merchandise, books, and whatnot? Yeah, what we've done for until now, until the end of October, uh, if you go to uh, our online store, which is store.biblical-life.com, uh, you can pick up anything that you want, and if you enter the coupon code Hagman Report, you'll get 20% off the entire purchase. Now, what I'm also asking folks to do, because we've had a, a lot of folks you know that also go there to give donations, do the donations separate than you do when you're you know getting materials, because this code will take 20% off your donation too. <laughs> and this kind of that's handy. Huh. <laughs> Whoops! I know there's a lot of people that would really like to get the materials, and uh, this makes it just more affordable for them to do it. Excellent. Well, we want to thank you for uh, that generous deal, and uh, hope our listeners take advantage of that. You know what? I'm going to buy another copy of the Shiner Directive. I, I am because especially yeah, sure, when I'm going to take this off. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for for that generous offer. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. Go ahead and uh, go to the store attached to that. You can, you can get to the store from your website, right? You can. A, it's a, okay. All right. Good. So, yeah, just go to just Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. Click on the store link, and there enter the coupon code Hagman Report for for twenty percent off of your purchases, donations to the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. Make those separately because, yeah, you don't want to shortchange Dr. Lake 20%. All right, sir. <laughs> and uh, I think the most important thing is I've got my best friend in the world here with me today. I've got my wife in the studio with me, Mary Lou. Hi, Debbie. Welcome. Welcome, Mary Lou. Mrs. Thanks. Dr. Lake. <laughs> it's a privilege to, to be on your show, and I'm so grateful to be able to talk to you. And, and thank you both for all that you do to shine light. Um, into the darkness. You both are an answer to Thank prayer you. for me. Years ago, I prayed and I felt so alone as I was realizing what had happened. And I asked God to raise up mighty men of valor that would be courageous and report the truth. And I have no doubt that you all are a part of that answer. You know, it's, it's because of you and, and men like Russ Dizdar that victims of satanic ritual abuse and mind control now have credible witnesses that can attest to the fact that these things exist. And I just want to thank you so much for that and for your book, Doug. Uh, Stained by Blood, I couldn't put it down. Wow. Well, thank you so much for that the vote of, vote of uh, confidence. You know, it, it, it's interesting how we get into things we don't really expect to get into, and, and that's a testament to, you know, accidentally stumbling into something I had no I had no understanding of what it was at the time but but your story is a little bit different and and folks Mrs. Lake is an author uh go ahead and talk about your book I, I think because I, I read your book and it's it's a it's a fabulous read and uh go ahead and talk about your book uh, Mrs. Lake because I think it's it would enrich people to to, to have it okay I had uh 
written it uh, because I wanted people to understand the journey of healing that I've been on and hopefully that it could help others. Um, it outlines how I thought my only problem was depression. That was what I thought my struggle was, and it went from that to finding out that I had a great-grandmother in witchcraft to finding out that uh, we had a lot of occult activity in our, our town, to finding out that we were a mind-control experiment town, and to find out that I was a victim of that. And so the first uh, when I first wrote the book, the first part was just... Um, you know, given the incidents that happened. The second part, when I wrote the update, I put more incidents down connecting how I put the, you know, the dots together to come to the conclusion that I was a victim also. Very interesting. You know, and you, yeah, and, and you put, you poured your heart out in your book. Um, I, I, I can't imagine the, finding out that now this wasn't just depression. This was this was a, a satanic attack, and, and folks, Mrs. Lake is a first-hand accounting of, of you know how that all came about, how how she recognized it, or how it was it was recognized, and, and what you did about it, and how you broke free from that those, those satanic curses. Um. Wow. Okay. It, 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 to tell uh, our audience, uh, if, if you don't mind, the, the title of your book again. It's what witches don't want Christians to know. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's in our library, folks, and it's, what, it's a fascinating. Yeah, right? what witches don't want Christians to know by Mary Lou Lake, <clears throat> and folks, you can get that from KingdomIntelligenceBriefing dot com, as well as Amazon, and um, it, I have not had the pleasure of reading the book, but I've read uh, passages and reviews from uh, what you have written, and it seems like a very interesting book and very timely. What witches don't want you to know? And when we think about that, uh, you know, what comes to mind about witches instantly is uh, from Hillary Clinton to the Salem witch trials to the new regeneration of demons, witches, and whatnot that the t- vampires of the TV uh, has been promoting. And there's also been a new, uh, the, the Satanic Temple headquarters uh, has its new founding in Salem, Massachusetts, Massachusetts which was the uh, spot for the uh, Salem witch trials, which I found very interesting that was just announced this week. But this ties into the occult, into mind control experiments, and a lot of important issues that we cover here on the Hagman and Hagman Report with uh, other guests as well. Uh, Mary Lou, I mean, you know more than better than anyone that uh, the satanic curses are real. Um, what do you say about the? You know, what's your take on the establishment of the satanic church up up in um, up in Mass, you know, Massachusetts? Well, I think it's just. Um, they're becoming more overt with their activity. You know, used to, everything was hidden. And um, I told Russ Jizdar the other day when we were at a conference with him that uh, what um, a wonderful job he had done of destroying the power of their secrecy. Because used to, they, you know, everything was hidden. And when anything's in darkness, Satan can always uh, use that. But I, I think it's just a, a testimony of where we are in today's society 
and how it's, it's it went from um, you know used to they would have like witchcraft in little cartoons and and you know just make fun of it and bewitched and things like that. Now look at the progression where we've come to all of these uh, like Harry Potter and all the things that are just very overt and have actual spells and things like that. So I think it's just another step of them um, proclaiming their their uh, dominion. Exactly. Now, do, do you, and, and thank you for coming on a short notice, and uh, I do want to, certainly we want to extend to you the ability to, to have you tell your story. I mean, do you, is it, do you feel up to uh, telling people a little bit about um, what you went through? I mean, can you give them a, kind of what their appetite for the book? Because, you know, I, I, when I read it, and my wife read it too, um, and, and we were just we were just astounded by the mechanisms under which many people are attacked. I mean, the the modes and the methods by, by the Satanists, by by the witches of today. These people are real, and the forces, the tools are real. Their 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 actions are real, and many people might blow that off and say, "Oh, that's just stuff of TV," but it's not. Um, so you've written a true story about the occult and mind control, but if you want to get into a little bit of your story, we'd be more than happy to to, to, to listen. I'm, I'm, we're getting a couple of emails saying, "Well, what's your story?" You know, what's her story? So, going to toss it back to you and uh, let you go. Okay, well, I'll I'll just start talking, and if you need me to break break in, please. <laughs> okay, all right. Um. Well, what happened with me is I um, I didn't remember anything about the occult. I thought that I grew up in a very insignificant town. Um, I only had two years in my life that I couldn't remember anything. It was third and fourth grade. Absolutely wiped out. I can tell you my teachers because they were on my report cards, but those years were gone. And you'd think that I would have questioned that more, but honestly, I just thought, well, I don't know why I couldn't remember. Um, I started experiencing a lot of depression in my teen years. Um, it just consistently got worse, and even I thought when I got married that that would ease that up because I'd married a wonderful man, he was a minister, and I thought, you know, that, that maybe that was what was wrong, as I was lonely or whatever. Um, but it just continued to get worse. And so I had two beautiful daughters. There was no reason for that depression. So I just, I just kind of put on a, a front face for everybody and just went on. And in 1993, the depression was so intense, um, I just didn't think I was going to be able to continue to function so well because I, I was always functional. You know, I could make myself get out of the bed. I could do what I needed to do, but it was just, I felt like I had about two tons of weight on my shoulders. And so in 1993, I, I was more concerned about my husband and my kids. And I just went to God and said, God, you're almighty. Is there anything you can do to help me? Um, and 20 days later, that depression totally left. And it was wonderful. It was the first time in my life I could ever read the Word of God. I used to get a horrible pain pressure on the back of my head when I'd try, and I just couldn't keep it up. And for eight months, I just, I was like a sponge. It was just like, I guess my spirit was starved to death from all those years of not being able to read the Word. And so I just absorbed it. And um, 
I was trying to hear God's voice. I thought that was really important that I try to hear His voice. So during that time, I learned my authority in Luke ten nineteen over all the power of the enemy. I learned, learned binding and loosing. I learned spiritual warfare. Um, I learned to hear God's voice. It took me a long time because my head never shut up. And I thought that everybody's mind was like that. And I'll never forget one day when I talked to Mike and I said, Mike, um, I said, don't you come to conclusions by bantering back and forth in your head? Don't you talk things out in your head back and forth? And he said, never. And I thought, well, that's odd. <laughs> and so so I, I started down this road of um, trying to just, you know, figure out what was going on with me. At the time, during those, for eight months, it was just blissful. I didn't have any depression. I didn't have any problems. Then in August of that same year, the depression came back. It came back worse than it was before. And I was so distraught. I thought, how in the world do you get that that healing and then it leave? And so I was struggling for several months. Finally went outside, wrapped up in a blanket, and laid out in the um, on our picnic table in the backyard and I was just going to stay there and it was so cold I remember I, my teeth were chattering but I was just going to stay there till I heard God because I, I had to know what happened and I remember him telling me he said said Mary you're under the influence of demons and now this is going to sound really stupid but I argued with him and I said well God Christians can't have demons <laughs> and so so I kept hearing the same thing He said, he said now I've taught you my word I've taught you how to fight. He said, you bind those demons, and I'll show you how to get rid of them. So I thought, well, I don't have anything to lose. And I said, I bind you demons in the name of Jesus. And I felt like I had a, a sledgehammer hit me in the back of the head. Um, so I went in, had Mike pray for me, and uh, that started a long process. I had a member of my family um, that I, I had went. God had showed me uh, either a vision or a memory. And he said, now, don't tell this person what you've seen. You just go and pray with them, and they're going to confirm this to you. Um, and it was this person laying on a, a slab, this member of my family. Um, there was our family doctor in a black robe behind this slab with other people in robes. And then over to the side was my great-grandmother and my great-aunt in plain clothing. That's all I saw. So I, I prayed with Mike. We bound up Satan that he couldn't show me anything false because I'm thinking there's no way this, this could happen. This looks like occult stuff. I don't remember any of this. So I went to this person in my family, and I said, I'm just going to pray with you. And so they grabbed me, and they said that this great-grandmother of mine was a witch, and they used him in a ritual, and they started describing their little Easter dress. So, um, you know, I, I was stunned. I, I went back home after a while. I, I returned home. I said, told my husband, you aren't going to believe this. And he said, well, you need two witnesses. You need to go talk to your dad um, because that was his grandmother. So the next morning I got up, went and talked to my dad. And I said, now, Dad, this person said that Granny is, is a witch. Do you remember anything? And he just busted out in tears and said, maybe I don't want to remember. And I'm thinking, oh, no, there's something to this. Then he was real worried people were going to put me in an insane asylum. So I went back, and that just started a journey of me praying. And once I, once I started um, asking forgiveness for the sins of witchcraft on my family and things like that, the depression was totally gone. It, and it has never come back. I've had times when I'm sad because there was a sad situation, but never the depression again. So I was so thankful that that, you know, I got the relief from that. 
And then it went from that to one one fall. Uh, I was just sitting and praying like I always did in the evenings, and I heard God speak so clearly to me. He said uh, that there were people um, that were in the area where I lived that served Satan that were getting ready to defile the Feast of Tabernacles. And I had read the whole Bible, but I was trying to think, okay, where's the Feast of Tabernacles talked about? And I heard Leviticus 23. So I went inside, got my Bible, opened it up, and there it was. It said it was the 15th month of the uh, or 7th month, 15th day of the 7th month. So I asked Mike, I said, how do I find out what that day is? He looked on a Jewish calendar, and it was the coming weekend. So I, God told me to pray that they'd get nothing done. I did all weekend. I was just praying the, the whole week leading up to that weekend. Then that weekend is when I described in my book that um, we had left our Sunday service. We're sitting at a store, and I'd had people invited over to my house because I wanted to have them pray with me. We were going to have a prayer meeting all day just to ensure that you know nothing was accomplished by those that are in the occult. And uh, there was, I looked up, and there these cars started pulling up. And I started getting this feeling in my stomach, like, man, there's something wrong. And this woman I had went to school with came up and jerked open the door where Mike had went into the store. So she jerked open the driver's door. And she said, where are you going, Mary? And I said, um, I said, you know where I'm going. <laughs> and so she, she manifested a demon. And I don't know if... if I saw the demon or if she actually transfigured into this thing but her tongue was sticking out and she's hissed and she like her hands turned in claws and she was climbing across that seat so I took my seatbelt off because I thought you know I got kids in here <laughs> so I thought I may have to manhandle her you know and so anyway uh, I ended up I was I was praying saying God tell me what to do and, and it, I said I love you but stop what you're doing or you're you're going to be destroyed and so when I said that, she just kind of wilted down, crawled back out, started speaking in a different language, and walked off. And from there on, guys, it was just one attack after another. Um, I mean, I was so shocked because I, I just I didn't realize that we had that much occult activity there. And obviously it had been hidden, but it really shocked me. So we went, uh, we just continued on. God kept showing us more things, and it escalated from what I thought was okay. Um, you know, we're just in a community. We have a lot of occult activity. No big deal. We'll pray. We'll go on. And then it went from that incident to everybody in our town just like they lost their minds or something. <laughs> And, and they started giving, like, I'd walk up to somebody, I walked up to uh, a person in my family, and they and I was just going to start talking to them, and they turned and they just looked like they were in a trance, and they said, we're the cog in the center of the wheel. And I thought, what in the world does that mean? And they said it again, you know. And so then the next, um, just that next weekend, on the Monday after that, uh, another woman came to my house. She looked like she's half dead. And she started telling me about that she'd been in the occult and she grabbed a piece of paper and she drew this this circle and she said we're the we're in the center of the wheel and i thought what are they talking about and this woman happened to be in an occult family that lived on the the river where i was downstream raised close to that river but i never remember anybody telling me that there were indian mounds up there 
And I guess the land that her family owned, there were Indian mounds there. And I thought, well, that'd be something that Steve Quill would probably be interested in. <laughs> but anyway, she, she told me about all these rituals. She told me some of the most horrendous stories. I mean, my hair was standing on end. And I just thought, surely, surely this can't be true. But everything she told me, it, I, I had other confirming information that it was true. And it was blowing my mind. And so we went from that kind of activity to where the... I, I think they were just so confident, they were so arrogant, they were going to kill my family, that that they they were just so arrogant. Like I'd say something to somebody that I could tell was, um, you know, walking by doing a curse or something, and they they just arrogantly say, I, you know, you're gone, we've got you. There's no way you're going to survive. And as it, it just escalated to where like it, they they had to stop trying to use the people there because I think they're kind of small potatoes in the whole big scheme of things. Hey, and Mary what Lou. happened? Hey, Mary Lou. It, you're not the, you're not the only one uh even our uh JD he is our um creative evangelist who who works with us talks about uh evil manifesting through people in front of him in Miami and we've heard similar experiences from other people who see it happening right in their faces almost like they're being targeted with that we are up against the top of the or we're up against a break and you mentioned the mounds. Um, there's a, a very important significance to those mounds. But when we come back, we're going to pick up right where we left off. We're talking with Mary Lou Lake, wife of Dr. Michael Lake. Her book is What Witches Don't Want Christians to Know. We'll be right back with both of them right after this. KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com. That's KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com. Dr. Michael Lake and his wife, Mary Lou Lake. Dr. Michael Lake, author of the Shiner Directive and, uh, soon, actually next month, the Sharif Imperative. Both books, just fantastic. Had the opportunity to read, to read both, the advance on the, uh, Sharif Imperative. It's just, uh, you know, folks, there's so much information and knowledge out there and, and so little time. Definitely worth your time. And Mary Lou Lake, just so pleased to have her. Kind of a surprise, you know, can you come on to talk about your book and your experiences? Her book is What Witches Don't Want Christians to Know, Expanded Edition. Here it is right here, folks. This is the book. I've got it in my hands right here. Um, did read it, and I recommend this, because this will give you an understanding of what's, what, uh, what's really going on out there in terms of the occult and how we're affected by the by the, uh, the witches and it's not this is not like television this is far worse than that before we get back to our guests i just uh, want to ask you guys a question are you ready just to take some take a time out an adult time out you, you want to get your tootsies and 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 some white sand take get some sun eric's over there saying oh yes send me send me we found this amazing getaway and at an amazing price, folks. You can't beat this. It's the Pineapple Beach Club in Antigua. Right now, for our listeners, for $99 per person per night, you can enjoy an adults-only, and by that I mean 16 and above, an adults-only inclusive 
holiday getaway on a white sandy beach, go to pineapplebeachclub.com. That's pineapplebeachclub.com. Or you can call 800-772-8711. That's to make your reservation. But to check it out, go to pineapplebeachclub.com or go to hagmanreport.com and click on the link. You'll see a pineapple there. You'll see it. Let me tell you a little bit more real quick about the resort and the island. Did you know that... uh there are on on site there are five different restaurants the tranquility spa two freshwater pools windsurfing snorkeling kayaking sailing so much more than that and for that $99 what do you get well it's all inclusive your meals snacks beverages yes even the alcohol have a glass of wine with dinner when's the last time you and your beloved had a glass of wine sipped a glass of wine with dinner as you overlook the beaches and the the, the tranquil area I mean, wow, that just sounds so good right now, doesn't it? It's 30 minutes from the airport in the capital city, St. John's. The resort encompasses some 30 acres of tropical foliage and wild blooms. I mean, you can just, can you, can you take a breath? Can you smell the, the fragrance of the, of the flowers? Can you hear the sounds of the ocean? Oh, how about the food? Oh, the food. What a great getaway. And Antigua, for those people who, really don't know you know where Antigua is. Oh, I've heard of it, but I could never afford it, so I didn't pay attention. Well, now you can afford it at $99 per person per night. It's located in the Caribbean. It's the largest English-speaking leeward island. They're known for their magnificent weather, white sand, pristine beaches, colorful cultural festivities, 365 beaches on the island, one for every day of the year if you want to stay, and I'm sure you, you might. But if you're, when you're ready to leave the chaos behind you, get some well-deserved R&R, don't wait. This offer expires soon. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com. That's pineapplebeachclub.com. Or call 800-772-8711 to book your all-inclusive holiday. Again, that's less than 100 bucks a person per night. See the website for complete details. That's pineapplebeachclub.com. Our guests again, Dr. Michael Lake, Kingdom Intelligence Briefing, and his wife, Mary Lou Lake. Mary Lou was talking about her experience with the occult, with witches, with her personal, up close and personal experience. And it's, uh, folks, take a listen to this because it's something. Uh, thanks for holding over both of you. And, and, and Mary Lou, go ahead and continue because this is, this is an amazing thing. And, and Joe has mentioned before the break, uh, the mounds, uh, you, you know, all of these occultish, I don't know, what would you call them? Uh, the presence, the tools of, of the Satanists out there. Uh, people don't really understand what they are. But uh, Mary Lou, go ahead and continue. Well, when the, the woman was telling me about these Indian mounds, which was so bizarre, guys, because I had been to that river like numerous times when I was a kid. We'd play on the sandbar. We'd go fishing. And um, the only thing I had seen that was strange or I thought was odd was there was a spring that came up in there called Boiling Springs, and there was a statue of Mother Mary up in the cliff. And I'd seen that, but nobody had ever, unless I just blocked it, <laughs> nobody had ever mentioned Indian Mounds to me. So uh, when that was told, that kind of caught my attention. And um, she would, you know, she, her family... Um, she told me that I, the reason that I can, can tell a lot about this uh, particular person is because I, I really do do believe that they're safe. Um, and a lot of their family that would have been uh, a danger to her have passed away. And so I can tell more of what she said. And she, uh, she would tell me how her family had always been in the occult, uh, how her mother 
who had worked at the Fort Leonard Wood Hospital had helped a doctor in that area get babies out of the area. <laughs> so it, um, you know, as we as we progressed on, and they just kept sending in more people into our little congregation there. Uh, one of the people that came in uh, told me that they were my son, and so I went back to her after that, and I said, um, "You had told me that, you know." People had had babies here and the babies were taken. And I said, do you think I'm one of those people? And and she, uh, before she could talk, her daughter turned around. She said, oh, you were a surrogate. And I said, what do you mean I was a surrogate? And she said, well, I was more on the psychic end of it. I don't know that much about it. Mm-hmm. Then her mom was telling her, you know, don't talk. Don't say anything else. So I never did have any more conversations with her after that. I did confirm her mom did work at the Fort Leonard Wood Hospital. Um, and so I, I, I still to this day don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, when, when all these things started coming up and people started telling us things, Mike started doing research. I tried to do it, but every time I'd start reading it, I guess it was just hitting these places in my mind that were blocked, and I, I'd literally get sick to my stomach. I couldn't read much. So he did a lot of research for me, and what happened started happening with me is I just started having memories come up. And so I would just tell him, and I'd say, I'd tell him the memory, and then I'd say, now there's no way this happened to me, but I'm going to tell you what I, I think this memory is. And uh, so he helped me so much on that. And then I finally got to the place I'd prayed enough and got enough healing I could read for myself. And uh, it became so apparent that I was in the middle of a mind-controlled town, and and many people there were affected just like me. And it extended to Fort Leonard Wood, and it extended to other uh, towns in the area. It was, it was almost like it was a 30-mile radius around Fort Leonard Wood seemed to be what was affected. And I guess that made sense because if they had occult activity going on at that base, they would need the people that were going to come from the area to be civilian employees to be controlled. And that, that made a lot of sense to me. And, and from that point on, I was able to put a whole bunch of pieces together. Um, you, you know what, uh, Mary, Mary Lou? If I can just interject something here, you were talking about the military base, and and you earlier mentioned uh, Russ Dizdar. I had no idea that, and people might be surprised to hear this. Listeners might be surprised to hear this that that the military bases, the military occult programs, there are. And I've gotten emails after different shows we've done where people say, "Oh, the, the occult programs on the military bases are by the military. Oh, that's they're the mind control." Um, that's overblown, it's overhyped, and it's uh, past. It's past tense. But it's really not. Um, after talking with Russ and seeing some of the stuff Russ had, uh, and Russ was doing, and, and, and up close and personal experiences with uh, uh, Russ's team, and reading what you wrote, uh, it, it, it's it, this, the activity is current, and it's not abating, but it seems to be getting more sinister. I certainly believe it's continuing based on some information that I received lately. I also did get a, a phone call from a woman in another state whose husband um, has been diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder, and they believe mind control. And he was also stationed as an officer at Fort Leonard Wood in a very, very strategic position. And so I have got confirmation. I've got, I had another person from the town that I lived in came and talked to me, and she remembered her family uh, being in the occult. Now, I, I couldn't remember a thing. You know, in our family, 
um, I think this great grandmother that was a witch was like a country witch. I don't think this was a, a powerful witch. I just think she got hooked into uh, the people that that were interested in finding those um, ancestral lines because if you had incest in your family, if you had um, Freemasonry, if you had Cherokee Indian blood, those were qualifiers that they were looking for because that meant you were going to be more dissociative and you would be a good candidate. Um, and so, it, as you know, as time went on, it, it became so evident because this is what I asked God, guys. I just couldn't believe it, especially with the memories that I was having because they involved um, military things. They involved, like, I, I started noticing when we were under attack, I, I would get on what I'd, I told my husband would be like, I'd be like on alert status is what I'd call it. And I would tell him there's something going on. And then this is an example of what would happen. Now, is this real or was this a script in my mind? I, I don't know. I honestly don't. But this is what would happen. I would see a laser dot form. Uh, the dot would extend to the north and the south, and then it would go to the east and the west, and it would form a barrier. And and I was, uh, I heard in my head that, that there, there was a compression of molecules, and then that was forming a barrier that even if there was like someone there that was attacking us, they couldn't get through that. Now, I know how insane that sounds. It sounded that to me. Um, but I just put it in my little checklist of odd things, and I went on. And then the more that um, more that I went on, I'll, I'll even tell you of a more bizarre thing that that it, my parts would come up and talk. Um, the only person in the world they trusted was Mike, and so um, I the different personalities that I had in the back would come up and talk to him, and to show you that I just wasn't. Uh, you know, buying into this whole thing, one of my parts would come and start talking about military things, and I would, I'd jump in the middle of that conversation. I'd say, Mike, pray for me. I don't think this is right. I think this is a lion spirit. I think something's wrong. I said, look at my eyes and make sure I'm not manifesting something. <laughs> and it wow. took me a long time to believe that this could be real. I just, I just couldn't grasp it. Um, and so what, when this part started coming up and talking about that they had been made an Iron Man. And what the what was in this memory now, this could be a script, it could be totally unrealistic, and it, I, it could be something that they just placed in my mind. But this is the way the script went. And this was, it seemed like a memory to me. They had me sitting in a chair, um, and I'm hooked to this chair, and it's, it's electroshocking. And the first thing that they put the people in that were being tested for this is they, they put us inside uh, like a cardboard box. The, an entire cardboard box and you were electroshocked until you could burn your way out of that box and if my memory's right if this is a real memory there were many they just couldn't do it they died they couldn't come out of this box and and it went in a sequence if you could come out of the paper box which there were few they put you in a wood box and you had to burn your way out of that then if you could come out of the wood box they put you in like a concrete cement type box and you had to burn your way out of that. And then if you could come out of the steel box, they called you an Iron Man, and you were a weapon. And now, do I know if that's if that's real? No, I don't. I sure don't. Is it a script they just put in there, like for misinformation or to make you sound crazy? I don't know. But I can I can tell you that when those Iron Man movies came out, this was years before the Iron Man movies came out. There there was something in that triggering to me. 
So I don't know if that was just a script that was to be triggered later on. I don't know. But that's the kind of stuff that was in my head. Now, did somebody just just put it there for a nefarious reason they were using? I can't tell anybody. Um, I would never on my ever hurt somebody. Um, I had a, a memory, another memory I had, when, and this was when I would have been younger. And I, I, I had a memory that there was somebody teaching me how to put energy through the palm of my hand. And, I, and it was for the purpose of defending against an attacking German Shepherd. And, and it, I knew exactly how to come up under that German Shepherd's chin to break its neck. And I'm thinking, this is the craziest stuff. And I, I remember telling Mike, I said, Mike, I've got this memory in my head. And I said, there's no way this could be real. No way. I said, I was never around a German Shepherd. I only remember seeing one. We had coon dogs. We had mutts. So then, quite a while after that, I don't know the exact time period, but I read an obituary in the paper, and this one of the um, the substitute bus drivers said, I was absolutely terrified of it. I mean, my knees would knock together when he. I'd look up and see he was a bus driver. Raised German Shepherds. And so it's oh. like every time, every time that I would think there's there's no way because see my mom was one of the most protective moms on the earth, and and she wouldn't let me out of her sight. So all this time I'm telling my husband, listen, there's nobody got me. There's nobody could have done this to me. My mom wouldn't have let me out of her sight. Um, and you know as time went on, it was very apparent my, both my parents were victims too, and they would have had no way to fight this. Um, do I know what memories are real? I wouldn't bet the bank on any of them. I do think some of them are real simply because I've prayed so hard and I've asked God to not let us get in error to show us truth. And Mike, you can testify of one one time after another after another. He would prove this to us, wouldn't he? He would. You know, when, when I, I served in the military, even though I was just admin, I served at the command level. And so I was privy to, you know, operational, you know, SOP, whether it's uh, spec ops or whatever. And where she was in, working as, as a secretary for the government, it, it was a battalion where they trained trainees, basic training. So uh, she wouldn't have had any way of knowing of this stuff. And she'd have military parts come up telling me uh, specific operational procedures uh, for for special operations that I and I'm thinking you know I've heard this before but when I was hearing it it was coming out of the mouth of special forces and uh, just over and over again uh, God proved to us uh, either out of out of our own knowledge or our people in the area uh, we had uh, one person that we had known that he had worked with the FBI and a lot of different uh, organizations that you know went by three letters that he investigated uh, ritual abuse, satanic ritual abuse all across the nation. And he told us the area around Fort Leonard Wood is known as the Crystal Cauldron. And there's only a few of those across the nation. And it's literally where even though you'll have in the occult, you'll have uh, neo-Nazis and the KKK, uh, they, they don't get along with Wiccans because Wiccans are bisexual. And, and so there's this, there's this conflict that's always with them. But in a cauldron, there is a higher council that's orchestrating all of them and they'll work together for a standardized purpose and that's what we saw I mean, it was like one week we'd have uh, we would have witches come after us the next week it'd be another group and then another group yeah, and then another group it's hard to determine what was going on it, you know you just saw a big mishmash of everything and um, that's that's what became clear is this that it was much bigger than what we could have ever imagined you know it wasn't just a small group it, it grew and it grew and to what we now know 
heads this up is the Luciferian elite. They actually have a name. <laughs> you know, now I, I know. And actually, there were so many things we saw that we had no clue what it even meant until we read Rustin Star's book. When you talk about the black awakening and the black uniforms, where they call themselves the chosen ones, and then all of a sudden I thought, oh my goodness, that that's what we were seeing. We yeah. just didn't know. Because we had, we had someone come in that said that we were chosen, and I'm thinking, is that something, we're, you know, kind of a, uh, an offshoot of, of saying you're kind of like the, the opposite of the children of Israel type of thing? We, we had no idea about the black awakening. Right. And so when we got a hold of Restless Materials, it oh. really really filled in the blanks it for did. us. It did, because I, I had no clue what we were looking at. That, that's, uh, that's stunning. stunning. Yeah, although we, we, you know, we knew, we know about this. We knew about this. To hear it firsthand from you, and, and to see how all of this is fitting together with Russ Isdar and yourselves. And, oh man, this is uh, something. Okay. Wow. Well, you know what, what's kind of blown me away because you know, uh, I kind of keep track of all the sales and everything else, and, and uh, I begin to watch. Uh, on Mary's book, you know, and, and, you know, she'll sell one here, one there. And here probably about a year ago, every, almost every single month, there'll be one person on Amazon will buy 15 copies, 25 copies. Uh, and you know, I'm thinking, what, you know, I, I can see a distributor buying those, but why is an individual? And so I did some research and I was able to contact Amazon. One of my, I was able to actually contact. And what we discovered is these people had infiltrated churches, destroyed a church, and so some of the, the people that were kind of left got a hold of Mary's book and started connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. And so now they're saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to rebuild our church, but all those that are going to be members of this new church are going to read her book so that we know what the enemy is doing so that we can, we can make sure that doesn't happen again. Do, do, you, do you both see this happening on a national level, I mean, you, you experienced this obviously personally. You saw it happen on a local level. Uh, I, I've been reading in different forums, especially with the uh, with Clinton, Hillary Clinton, displaying such bizarre physical signs. Some say that she's demon possessed, but without respect, without regard to that, do you see what uh, what you experienced and saw, witnessed on a local level? Do you see this kind of taking place on on a national level? In, in, in a way, um, or I think I definitely think that the occult infiltration of the church is why we've seen such a move away from the truth. You know, it's it's so concerning to me. Like when you have people that say, "Well, it doesn't matter if you sin anymore, because Jesus paid the price, and and so you can just go do what you want to." And that's the opposite of what I'm trying to tell people if they want to get safe, because um, if you want to be a target for a witch opening the door to sin is it gives them the right of way to just tear you apart you know when I first when I first understood it and I got a grasp on okay so they've taken us they've formed personalities that we don't even know are there I used to call mine moods you know I can look back now and see oh my goodness that was that personality that was I was co-conscious with and that's why I was acting that way that's why I was doing this and so, so when I finally got it and I understood what what they'd done and I'd started I did some research on you know how are they ministering to these people and how how are they uh, and I, I got so discouraged guys because the you know they'd say well you have to do this and you're going to be lucky in 10 or 15 years if you get this done and I just thought you know this makes God look small and this is the way that I approached it 
is I thought, okay, I don't, I can't connect to anything that is a witch that they formed in me. Or, you know, if there's a soldier back there, um, I don't know what they put in me, but this is what I do know, is God had taught me that I have authority. So I took authority over my body, over my mind, and I said, I'll tell you what, if there's a witch back there, you're bowing your knee. If there's a soldier back there, then you're going to bow your knee to Jesus. And you're, my body's not going to be taken anywhere. I'm not going to be used by the enemy because you're going to bow your knee. <laughs> and so I used that approach, and with that, it... I. And with the deliverance that I was going through, because God took me through just one deliverance after another. He took, He had me deal with the Jezebel spirit. He had me deal with the spirit of Antichrist. He, I mean, he was just had me on a fast uh, track to healing. And so I went through all those things, and I and I came to the conclusion that we don't have to put up with this. Now, God did prove to me. Um, that that I was programmed in several different ways, and I'll tell you one way that he did, because this is a warning to people to be very careful who they ask to be like a counselor or somebody to lead them through this. I was I never went to a counselor, but once we had the people in the occult come in, I we had a, uh, had a woman from a different city contact us and said she'd worked with this, so we would pay her to come down just to counsel with these people because I didn't have a clue. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, okay, I, I, this may be me. And I wasn't convinced at that point, but I just watched how she counseled these people. Well, one day she came down and she said she was counseling with this person. I was sitting there watching and she said, take this word. And the word was drone. And she had me assign um, numbers to each one of the letters, like D was for R, you know, down the line. Then she had me hand her that paper. And as she read that code, I heard in my mind the sixth seal just opened. And so I told her that. And she said, she went, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so I thought, what in the world? And so I didn't know then because I hadn't done the research, Mike had, but I read later in programming, if one of those seals that they put in end time programming of Revelation comes open, you're in big, big trouble. So she didn't know that. I mean, obviously she didn't, or I, I later was able to put together. She was a program multiple herself. Now, I believe that she had a, a good heart. She was trying to help people, but I don't think she knew she was programmed any more than I had known I was. And so when I got home that night after this little counseling thing I watched, I woke up in the middle of the night and was felt like I was spread eagle in a star trapped in this star floating into my living room now i'm sure i walked but i felt like i was trapped in a star so when i get to the living room i get out of my mouth jesus and the minute i said his name the star broke i went back in my bedroom and i had what's called an internal earthquake and if you ever have one of those things you you have like a, a adrenaline release like nothing you've ever seen and you will shake from the top of your head to the soles of your feet so as time went on, I was able to, to recognize, um, you know, these people are everywhere. <laughs> They're in churches. They're, some of them are pastors. Some of them are worship leaders. Some of them are counselors. And so, you know, this whole time, uh, I'm focusing more in on, I trust my husband, and that's about the only person I trust. Um, <laughs> but we learned so much during all this time. And, and what my goal was, was this is I was determined that I was not going to be used as a weapon against other people no matter what. That was my goal personally and to be completely healed where my mind was, um, you know, totally following the Holy Spirit. And then my other goal was I was going to try to warn the churches. 
because I, these people were coming in telling us, oh, we did this, we did that, and I looked at this stuff, and I thought, they're tearing these people apart. They're going in churches. Those people don't know that they're there. They're putting them in positions of leadership. They're, they're causing divorce. They're causing pastors to die. They're causing them to get in car wrecks, and everybody thinks there's nothing to witchcraft. And so that was part of the reason I wrote my book, is I thought, i got to warn some people. Uh, you know, we could add right here that we were probably the first ministers they had ever seen that they could neither kill, destroy, or bankrupt, or, or whatever. In that area. And in I that mean, area. I'm sure and so we were, we were an anomaly. And when, wow. when she, wow. and I can add when she came out, you know, I, I wish I could say, you know, I, I, back then I'm the man of God I was. Now I wasn't. Uh, I told Mary, I said, you know, somewhere along the line between uh, them trying to kill us and us pressing into God. The old Mike Lake died, and I sure like the new Mike Lake that we have now. Uh, Amen. Dr. Lake, Lake, we're up against the top of the hour break. If you could hold that thought, we will pick up right there on the other side. Folks, you're listening to Dr. Lake on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, along with his wife, Mary Lou. We'll be right back. Briefing.com. That's kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. And his wife, Mary Lou Lake, the author of What Witches Don't Want Christians to Know, the expanded edition. Here is the book right here. And uh, talking about the, the satanic occult, uh, the true story of the occult and mind control. Uh, so glad to have the opportunity to finally have uh, Mary Lou Lake on to talk about her book. This is an incredible read. And, uh, you know, when I did my book, uh, Stained by Blood, I, I had recollected and wrote out to the best of my memory exactly what I stumbled upon, what we stumbled upon, and, and it, it's difficult. I, I must say that it's difficult. You, you get into some pretty, uh, murky waters and some pretty serious, uh, stuff when you talk, when you, begin writing and, and talking about this uh, mind control and the satanic occult. Indeed, this is what we're seeing. Before we get back to uh, Dr. Lake and Dr. and Mrs. Lake, I want to mention that um, I'm going to thank Debbie B. for um, writing this. She was at the Ap- Air Antelope Valley Mall, Antelope Valley Mall in Palmdale, California, not too long ago. Earlier today, around 3 o'clock local time, a best guess here on my part, and she just sent me a notice, uh, an email saying that uh, the main, the, the, the media is not covering this, but apparently they had a bomb scare, a suspicious package left inside the JP, J.C. Penney store there in the Antelope Valley Mall in Palmdale, California. A mass evacuation of the mall, and the the way she described it, it was it was pretty uh, significant. And no no media coverage whatsoever. Wanting to know basically why not? Why is this not being? You know, you get you get one person that's shot and a gang related or drive by. It's it's all over the news, but this is not. So things are happening behind the scenes. And thank you, Debbie, from uh, uh, California, uh, for the the information. So I'm pass that along to everyone. And if you have information like this or about this, certainly send it to us, and we'll be glad to. Uh, 
to check it out. But uh, again, our guest, Dr. Michael Lake and Mary Lou Lake, and we're talking about a number of things, uh, and Mary Lou Lake was uh, kind enough to, to, to stay with us. Dr. Lake, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, however you want to uh, uh, direct this, the, the remaining hour, the two seconds we have left, uh, with, with your wife and, and uh, it kind of lets you decide because the gift of time that you and your wife are giving us is just so welcomed. But uh, kind of let you decide how you want to proceed from here. Well, we always enjoy the time that we get to be with you on these shows. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things I want I want to stress, and and you know, we're we're in this situation where you know we open up the church doors and have the people coming through the church or program multiples or witches. She's remembering this stuff that's that's happening to her and trying to work through it. The only counselor that we could find that dealt with it, we discovered, is most likely a multiple. I'm not really where I need to be. I, 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 back then, uh, I, I wasn't really, I was partially spiritually asleep, I guess you used to say, and there was some maturity I needed that, that the fire of all this worked in me. Well, let me, let me say this, honey, just in support of you. You know, I had a Jezebel spirit as big as Manhattan. And, you know, if you're a victim of any kind of abuse, you'll, that's one of the spirits that just clings to you and you'll accept it because you don't feel safe unless you can control all your environment. So I had a huge Jezebel spirit, and I was trying to control everything in our life. And and when you have a mate that has that, it really has a hazing effect on the spouse. And so whatever was going on with you, let me tell you, what was with me was probably the reason. So just to yeah. clarify. But, you know, we sometimes we think we need to have this massive support team to, you know, to handle coming out of mind control or having the occult come after you, whatever. We were going through all this craziness, and we had no one other. Because of my position with the seminary, if I needed, you know, some research information or something, I could call somebody. But locally, we had nothing. And in fact, with all this supposed uh, super spiritual prayer warriors in that area, the moment that we began to share what was really going on, they left for the hills. And so it, it, it was just Mary and I, and we're here to tell you that. Jesus is enough. Mm-hmm. Yes, He was. The Word of God is enough. That's right. And in, in the process, if we begin, when you be, if you begin crying out to Him, you can make mistakes along the way because the, uh, probably more on my side than on Mary's. Uh, but there were mistakes that we made, but the blood of Jesus covered them. God brought us out the other side because there was this learning curve and this learning process. That's right. And, you know, all the glory goes to God. Yes, absolutely. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And so, you know, because of that, we have we have a, you know, a tale to tell and, and spiritual warnings. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have the insight that we do today. Uh, Mary and I, I guess about a year ago, Mary and I were sitting and, and talking, and, and I looked at her and I said, you know, I finally come to the place where I thank God the day that witch crawled in the van after you. Mm-hmm. Because if those things hadn't happened, we wouldn't know what we know today. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. And we would not have become the people that through that crucible, that uh, there was some iron sharpening iron, there was there was some refining of gold that, that uh, the Father had in mind when he allowed us to go through these things that are allowing us to do what we're doing today. And uh, so, you know, I'd, sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, Joseph, you know, they threw you into prison, your own brothers did, and sold you into slavery and all this stuff. But, hey, 
God meant it for good because he, he saw what was going to happen through that process on the other side. And through all that we went through, everything, including him trying to crash a plane into my house, God sustained us. He kept us alive uh, through all of the attacks, the assassination attempts. He kept us alive, and only he could. I mean, when, when we saw the you know how huge and how massive this was, that this wasn't just local, it wasn't just state, it was national and worldwide and unlimited resources. So so it was either God was going to uh, protect us or we would have died, Mike, but he did. He, he showed himself powerful. Unlimited resources versus very, very meager resources but uh bible the holy spirit the blood of jesus the name is the, the name of jesus and and the things of the kingdom and you know I, I think a lot of us today we may feel like we're right there that you know i'm not much i don't have much to give for the kingdom but you know i hear that all the time you know how, how come you know i have this hunger to serve god but i've been kind of out in the wilderness well, there's there. I think there are a lot of John the Baptist that God has had uh, out of the way that the enemy couldn't see. And in fact, when uh, I was at that conference with Russ Dizdar, uh, I gave a prophetic word, and uh, it was probably one of the most powerful things I have ever experienced. Uh, they uh, after I ministered and everything, they asked me to blow a shofar, and I really wasn't quite. It was, it was a room probably big enough to seat about 200 or so people, and and I wasn't really satisfied with how well I was blowing it or how loud I was blowing it. And the Holy Spirit says, you want to hear something real loud, set the shofar down. And without a mic, I began giving a prophetic word that there was a, a holy roar uh, in that prophetic word. And God was talking about how that he had hid end-time ministries and end-time ministers that the devil doesn't even know about. They have been obscured uh, from, from the population that have been hidden in him. And... I didn't need a microphone. I, I would even, in fact, one of the, the pastor's wife tried to get a microphone to me, and the presence of God was so strong, she, she couldn't even crawl and, and get that close. And I had people tell me that they would raise their hands up in the back of the church, and they could feel it resonating uh, off the back of their hands because God is getting ready uh, to lose an end-time remnant ministry. And uh, I think it goes back to Daniel chapter 11 where uh, you have the Antichrist at the pinnacle of his power. Yet even when he's at the pinnacle of his power, the word of God tells us there are going to be those that know their God and they shall be strong and do great exploits. And that word know in the Hebrew is yada, which means to be intimate with, to absolutely passionately fall in love with. And in fact, in, in, within the Jewish community, that could be used for a very strong, solid marriage and the intimate relationship a husband and wife has. That there are those that have decided that they're going to wait on God and just and just get lost in His presence. And I, I, I think there's more of them out there, Doug and Joe, than we realize. We, we don't even know that they may not even be in, in ministry yet they've just been waiting and just waiting on God and soaking in his presence but there's I think there's this coming this time of this release because there has been a heart cry uh, I tell people with with our current president that's in the office you know there's there's two reasons that God puts someone in office he either puts someone in office because you prayed or he puts someone in office to make you pray and I think this is one of those make you pray kind of things. And he has been so overt about everything that he's done. He has woken, the people are waking up. They're saying, you know, I, I can't believe that people are buying this agenda and then and, and it's, it's shaking them and waking them. 
and it's creating an open door for remnant ministry to begin stepping on the stage and they're going to be so unorthodox uh, with what we consider traditional ministry today because traditional ministry has been so infiltrated and molded by the mystery religions uh, when, when you look at whether what it talks about here in the Hebrew now they, they're going to be strong uh, one of the one of the definitions that you can take that word means to be hardened and if you've ever dealt with military equipment the, the equipment that has been hardened means it's EMP proof it's it's uh, nuclear proof and I think they're and I think that they're going to get so strong in God they're going to be hardened where the enemy can't affect them and affect their minds and affect them spiritually uh, then this exploits literally means to that they're going to be able to fashion miracles they're going to understand the ways of God because they've spent so much time in his presence they're, they're going to have like this Moses anointing Moses understood the ways of God so he could flow so much easier with God and uh, I think we're going to begin seeing that and, and as I, I've been spending several years praying about this and God kept on taking me to the book of Acts which to me was kind of a no brainer of course you're going to take me to the book of Acts but then he would take me to the book of Judges, and then the book of Acts, and the book of Judges, and the book of Acts. And, you know, I'm, I'm just ping-ponging back and forth. And I say, God, uh, help me help me get this. And he said, well, he said, to a, a great degree, you're like the children of Israel during the time of the Judges. Because the word says, because there was no king, every man was doing what was right in his own eyes, which got them in bondage, which allowed the mystery religions to bring them in bondage, and I will raise up Judges. And so he said, to you, for you to understand where you're headed, you got to take the fivefold ministry that you see functioning in the book of Acts, and they're going to be judges, like in the book of Judges. Interesting. And, uh, Interesting. And I mean, to, to do to do exploits to set people free. And and he said, he said, there's going to be something interesting about these judges that as I begin to release them. Uh, and he talked about it as a, uh, a field of reciprocity around them. And I said, well, help me understand it, because I, I remember the term reciprocity. I remember the old uh, Harrison Ford movie, Clear and Present Danger, where the, uh, uh, the president sends this Navy SEAL team to begin wrecking havoc among the Colombian war, uh, drug lords and everything, and he called it Project Reciprocity, because you did this to us, we're going to do this to you. And he said, well, you have to understand Abram. He said, I told Abraham, I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I'm going to curse those that curse you. He said, that's really going to be an effect for those judges that when the occult come after them, there is, it's going to be like a, it's going to be a reciprocal. It's going to turn back away from the judges, and it's going to come back on them. If they try to curse the judges, it's going to come back on their own heads. If they, if they try to assassinate the judges, they're the ones that are going to get killed in the effort. There's, there's going to be this tumbling back on them. Uh, which is probably the first time the occult have, have ever seen that kind of power before. That's where we're getting ready to head ministry. And uh, I, I think that uh, people like Russ Dizdar and others have, have walked in the edge of it. And uh, I have, after, you know, I've heard him on your show, I've read his book, and I've listened to a lot of his stuff. But, man, there's something about when you meet someone face-to-face -face and you look in their eyes. And you see a deep commitment to Jesus, mm -hmm. and you see someone that has been through a hard road, that that uh, has has been in the warfare, and and still has the love of God in him, and, and still has the power of God in him. Uh, that that's encouraging for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, uh, if that's uh, at the periphery of, of the battle, it's I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to see it at the epicenter. That's to be uh, for sure. But uh, okay. So you know, it's interesting. You spoke of the hardening too. The, the hardening, just like the military assets, um, and the raising up of the remnant. I, I can see as Paul McGuire talks too <laughs> about the raising of the remnant or the creation. Of the of the remnant in these dark times, and, and we have questions from the audience, not just right now, but um, from many previous guests. Just in the last few weeks, when people are talking about you know the uh, people of God doing exploits on behalf of the Lord for their uh, fellow people during these end times, and one of the main points I see from all these emails is people asking. Well, where are these people who can do exploits? Where is the Church of Acts type uh, belief in Christianity in America today? And, um, you know, the best thing I can come up with is the belief is there, but the, the acts and exploits of that belief is not yet here. And we're told that God will pour his spirit upon all mankind uh, in, in the end times. But what do you think is holding back the remnant from being able to become just like the Acts Church did, to put put it all on the line, to move and have the Holy Spirit move with it, and in order to to bring about these uh, miracles, signs, and uh, wonders leading God's people where they need to go and you know, evangelizing to those who might not believe or who are on the fence. People are saying they don't see that type of movement today, and they believe that that would be indicative of the, you know, the tribulation period when you do see that uh, begin. Well, I think I think we're just at the beginning of it. Even when you look at Moses, there was a crucible that he had to go through. You know, it, it, even his birth was in, in, in a time of a crucible, and then he had ended up on the backside of the desert after he tried to do it in his flesh. Uh, before he met God at the burning bush. And uh, I really, you know, number one, there, there, I think there are a lot of these things that are happening. Uh, we had something happen that was a manifestation of, of this this last week when I was in a conference. But you're, you're not going to hear about it on the evening news, guys. It, it, it isn't going to behoove the enemy to begin broadcasting uh, the things that God, are, God is doing. And, and right now they're, they're just beginning to come out of desert places. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, just just look at a few years ago. You guys never knew who I was, and, and I didn't know who Paul McGuire was or Russ Dizdar and, and so many others. And they're they're beginning to come out, and, and uh, I think God's even using shows like this to uh, to begin spreading the word that those ministers are rising and things are going to begin moving. And I, I think for us, the first step is to. Awaken the remnant, awaken the church, begin to teach them and, and to show them how to get in the presence of God and to, and to learn their authority and, and to learn why the, the commandments of God are so important and, and understanding the ways of God and, and, and begin stripping Babylon off of us. That's a process. And the more that we do it, the stronger we become. So, you know, some of us have done that. There's always trailblazers. And I, I think they're beginning to come out of the woodwork. But as we do, then our job is to get your attention and to begin equipping those saints that have ears to hear. 
and and to begin building teams across this nation. And so we're we're just at the very edge of it. Uh, so it's it, it, it's exciting, but unless people begin announcing it. You know, when the John the Baptist came out of the wilderness, he was out there shouting at the scorpions and the snakes, and finally people started showing up. And I kind of think that's where we are right now. Yeah, and I know that, you know, when when Jesus was on earth and uh, after his resurrection during the really the beginning of the spreading of the gospel, there were uh, many heretics and false prophets that arose in that time. And we see that here today uh, as well. For every person who seems to be wanting to convey the biblical truth and uh, tell people what it is God showing them, we see ten people, you know, perverting that for you know a number of different reasons, and we see this huge increase in false prophets, just as we did back in the beginning of Christianity. But one thing that set that apart in the beginning was the truth of the word and unfortunately uh, today with our language so few people put stock into the bible at least back then in the uh, between the uh, the jewish people they had the history of uh, they lived the history and you know they were part of that religion today it seems like the secular world is so far removed and I know that this is a work that that God will take care of by changing and you know, hardening and loosening the hearts of men. But it seems like just such an uphill battle. And what you said is right. You know, our victories won't be broadcast. We will not uh, see the the fruits of the of our labor on a on a grand scale. But that can't be a means or a reason not to continue doing what the Lord has called us to do. And I just want people to understand that that we could do what the Lord wants us to do and do it very well for the rest of our lives and be, you know, scoffed, mocked, and beaten down in the process. And that doesn't mean that we're not doing what's right. And, you know, I think that all of us were beginning to learn what Babylon is. You know, in the Shiner Directive, I outline a lot of things of how they have influenced education, they've influenced theology. Uh, I was here about a year ago, I was at a minister's conference and I began to basically spout the basic tenets of, of hyper grace. And boy, everybody said, that's right, that's right, that's right. And I said, well, well, does it line up with this? And I give them about five or six things. And they said, oh, that's, that's a perfect expression of all that. And I said, great, you just, you just quoted Aliester Crowley. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's how bad it's gotten. And so there's there's going to be a lot of repentance, a lot of relearning uh, that we're going to do. And I think that's why God is raising up many, many ministries. And I, I think Hagman and Hagman is right in the center of that, to get the word out, to begin to get people to think and to see. Uh, there, there's a purifying process. For Mary and I, it wasn't that we just flipped on a switch and we were here. Uh, there, there was, there was some rough road, but in the midst of the rough road, you, you find out how to four wheel drive in the kingdom, if you will, <laughs> and, and to be able to move on in the things of the kingdom of God. Well, and the one thing that we sure found out was that, um, you know, if we got in our flesh, nothing happened. But when, when we could submit ourselves to God, get out of the way, and let Him flow His love through us, we found out there is nothing anywhere as powerful as His love. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And sometimes it's tough love because you know real love will tell you will tell you what you're what you're doing wrong and how you need to straighten it up and the consequences if you don't. That's love too. And uh, so, guys, you know, I, I think all of us would like to 
see more done, to, to see God doing more, and that's good. It's, 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 that, it's that holy dissatisfaction that causes us to push in deeper and, and to say, God, if I, I want you to go deeper in me. I want to go deeper in you. Mm-hmm. I want you to produce something greater because I am not satisfied with where I am. Right. I'm not satisfied in what I'm seeing done. And guys, you know, since we've come on your show and other shows and we've started our own podcast, uh, we have people all around the world that are not only contacting us, but they're praying for us. And I tell you what, there, there have been days Mary and I have been so tired at the end of the day that we could hardly lift yeah. up our heads. And yet there was another, there was a phone call that there was something that we had to, to do or even a show like this that we had to do. And all of a sudden the power of God would hit us and we would have this supernatural strength. And then we'd find out that there were a bunch of people praying for precious us that people. night. Precious people. And so all of us have our part. And it, it, it is beginning, but it's not going to be on big Christian radio. It's not going to be on big Christian television. Uh, because the, the gatekeepers of those systems that have been so pro-Babylon aren't going to let it through. I believe that the mind control is breaking. And, and there's yeah. more of an effect on that, on the nation than what people believe. You know, it's one thing to have what happened to me. But Mike, there, there, there is a nationwide effort. And I, I honestly believe what we're all witnessing with Hillary Clinton is she is coming offline. Yeah. There, you know, when it, when somebody's online and programming, they're totally functional. Everything's just just perfect. They'll have the right part up at the right time. And what we're witnessing is the prayers of the people have affected her programming. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing. And that's that's what I've seen face-to-face for a long time. Now, they're able to still hide a lot of the things going on with her. But when a program multiple comes offline, they they become uh, mentally unstable. Their their body starts breaking down. And and I think that's what we're witnessing with her. Yeah. You know, I think we're seeing that. And one of the things I've noticed about the media this last year or so, uh, you know, the, the mainstream media, is they're, they're, they're getting aggravated and they're getting desperate because people don't believe them anymore. The stuff they're saying isn't working to sway the masses anymore. Uh, we've also seen times of, of heightened uh, triggers like, you know, with an advertiser or different shows, quotes from Alice in Wonderland or, or, or Wizard of Oz or all these things, and then all of a sudden you just get barraged with them. You know what that is? That's desperation because it's not working. It's not working because the yeah. remnant's praying. And they can't and believe it's not working, so they have to quote, there's no place like home one more time. <laughs> this one more time, you know. And, and it, it gets to the place where it's almost ridiculous. And guys, that means that God's working. Mm-hmm. That that the means prayers are, the prayers are being heard, and He is responding. The Shinar directive is getting pushed down, guys. So you know, all of us, as we move and we do these things, we're having a difference. We're making a difference, guys. It's given us more time. I think I shared that about a year ago. When you look at what the elite planned about 2006, America should have been no more. And what God has forced them to do is they've had to they've had to attenuate their plans over and over again because God says, I know in my word I say that you're going to do these things, but you're going to do it on my schedule and not yours. That's how powerful That's right. God is. Dr. Lake, we are up against our last break. We have one more segment with you and your wife. We'll be right back to get into our last segment. And what you said about 
the media and the people. And it does seem like God is lifting a veil uh, off the eyes of people who are seeking the truth. It doesn't even have to do with seeking Him. I guess the first steps is, you know, looking, recognizing the lie and seeking the truth. And then hopefully from there we can do our jobs in the alternative media to lead people to the true answer, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we'll be right back with Dr. Michael Lake for our last segment right after this. That's HagmanReport.com. That's our website, primary website, Hagman and Hagman.com, for all show-related mechanisms. So you can you buy Hagman and Hagman.com. You can get to us. You can get to us on Global Star Radio Network. I want to thank them so much for carrying our program as well as BTR Blog Talk Radio. And of course, you can watch us live on YouTube. Just go to Hagman and Hagman.com for show prep information, backdrop uh, material. That's HagmanReport.com. I just want to welcome everyone listening for our final segment, Dr. Michael Lake, KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com. Uh, that's his website. It's six, in fact, you can go to today's episode and it's right there. The link is right there. That's KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com and his wife, uh, Mrs. Lake, Mary Lou Lake, author of What Witches Don't Want Christians to Know, Expanded Edition, um, True Story of the Occult and Mind Control. Really blown away by this book, uh, Mary Lou Lake's book. I really was. Um, this, the pages, the, her book recounts some of the shocking events in a small town in Missouri. It's a true story. Much like, uh, uh, my book, Stained by Blood, I had a fictionalized mind, uh, for legal reasons, of course. But, uh, you know, Mrs. Lake had struggled with the uh, depression for years. And couldn't find the really the joy that the scriptures indicate is available for all Christians to all Christians and their quest to find answers. She was not only healed and delivered, but the process uncovered startling re- revelations of a dark practice or dark practice that was going on in the small town and uh, where she was raised. And, and this book accounts gives an account of that. It's it's a great book. My wife uh, has read this. I don't even think she read mine. But uh, but she read this. No, I, I'm I'm joking around. But this is really a uh, a serious good expose on what we face here, what's really ramping up, and what we face uh, on a, on a national level as well. So pleased to have them with us. And uh, now tomorrow, I just want a little housekeeping here. Tomorrow, I asked. Uh, well, we Joe and I asked Doctor Ted Brewer to come on to talk about current events, to dissect and analyze the current events against the backdrop of history, and also offer some analysis we're seeing. Um, in really, only the only way he can, or the only only he can do. So, uh, tell everyone about tomorrow's broadcast. But tonight is just it's so we're so pleased to have both uh, Doctor and Mrs. Lake on with us, and. Uh, uh, Dr. Lake's book, uh, The Sharif Imperative, is coming out next month. I can't wait for that. And I was so pleased to be asked to, to write the foreword to that. Um, but reading that book is just wow, just wow, as as well as The Shine Art Directive. Just an excellent book that uh, I'm still studying that. Dr. Lake is uh, one of my professors. 
How's that? Yeah, I, I don't know how else to describe it because that's it's, it's like you know one of your you remember college, high school. You had a favorite professor, favorite teacher. Well, that's Doctor Michael Lake. Thanks for hanging on with us, uh, Doctor and Mrs. Lake. Uh, Doctor Lake, I'll kick it back to you. Well, I, I, I want to correct one thing or just share this from my point of view. You know, uh, the world would tell you that your alternate media or alt media. Uh, I think the new term is alt-right, you know, whatever that means. They're trying to yes. marginalize. Yes. Uh, but what you guys are are the real media. Because mm-hmm. uh, right. the other media is a joke. It, it is nothing but propaganda. And uh, the, the real news and, and the real truth comes from, from ministries and stations with, with what you guys are doing. And, and Mary and I are just so thankful well, you know, it's only because of guests like yourself, though, because and the audience and, and uh, yeah. you know, uh, the Lord truly. Because uh, I, Dr. Lake, you and I were talked about this very briefly earlier, but you know, we started just my father and I, two headsets, two computers, and you know, our opinions, and um, we continued to just tell the truth and search the truth uh, based on the what, what the Bible says and digging back into the Bible and just by doing that with no other agenda but to try to explain to people and help people understand what's going on he has blessed us with a robust audience and you know the great li- the greatest listenership in uh, on any radio program I would say and you know it's nothing we did except show up as I like to say you know, I, I kind of like thinking of, of shows like this or like the old-time campfires. Uh, you know, and this, this is this is the fire where the remnant are gathering to get their intelligence briefings and to, and to find out what's really going on and to, and to get inspired. And so we're we're just thankful for what God's doing. Well, what's one of those keys of the remnant, Mike? It's courage. Yeah. And you can't do what Doug and Joe are doing without courage. No. Because because every day when they when they do this, they're becoming a target. And they know that. And to me, it's so admirable. And it is a signifier of the the remnant. Yeah. You know, we're. I, I think we're looking for you know some great major uh, explosive move. And and the truth is that there there are a lot of them. We just came back from a uh, a congregation down in Lebanon, Tennessee. That uh, you know, nice facility. It's not definitely not the biggest one in in town or anything else. But you want to talk about the presence of God being in a place. And that they have learned how to bring the manifested presence of God uh, back into a church. I, I told Mary, I said, you know, I've not felt this since the 1970s in the heart of the charismatic uh, renewal. Uh, when I was in the military in Germany and when it was on a, on the tail end of a major, major uh, supernatural revival of God was the last time I felt that level of the presence of God. And I wonder how many of these smaller ministries that are out of the way that are experiencing the same thing. And, and God is preparing uh, his special forces, and, and he's going to begin releasing them real soon. But they're out there. They're all over the place. And, and Mary and I hear from them all over the world. And so it, it's exciting, isn't it, Mary? It is. All right. We have uh, about 20 minutes left before the end of the program. Uh, Dr. Lake and Mary, where would you like to take us from here? 
I'm looking at you. <laughs> I mean, we can uh, go off script and, and talk about, uh, you know, what's happening in, with the Middle East and the, the migrant situation and where you guys expect to see or what you would expect to see uh, coming out of this war-torn region as Russia is now getting more militarily involved. Um, after the ceasefire between the U.S. and Russia was brokered, there's been a number of bombings, uh, one to an aid convoy. We see, you know, the uh, wars and rumors of wars. We see the increased uh, earth activity that is leaving par- parts of the world devastated from other uh, weather calamities. We see a number of things from signs in the stars and in the heavens and um then we have what you know the everyday American and Western society view of things versus the rest of the world, and we see this uh, push towards globalism. As Obama yesterday gave his speech to the UN, talking about Americans needing to surrender their sovereignty over to an international body and, in the process, giving up freedoms to do so. Um, this all speaks to to what the Bible says, uh, not only in the Book of Revelation but in, in Daniel. And many people have been asking uh, and assumed at first that Obama was was the Antichrist, um, which I believe he's a, a forerunner to that. Uh, what I mean, this election coming up is just crazy. We all know, you know, Hillary Clinton has done nothing but lie, cheat, and steal to the American people um, since she's been able to. With Donald Trump, there's a lot of concern about him, yet we know he's not Hillary Clinton. And we have George Soros saying, yet yeah, Trump could win the popular vote in a landslide, but still lose the election due to the electoral vote. Um, any thoughts or suggestions on what we should expect to see with this election? Well, I think it's going to get real interesting. I heard, uh, you know, with all these uh, leaks of emails, I heard one commentator talk about... Uh, 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 Colin Powell's emails were leaked and all the different revelations that came out of that. Mm-hmm. I thought one of the ones that was actually kind of encouraging for me is that uh, Trump has never been to the Bohemian Grove and all those guys are against him. And I thought, well, that's that's a feather in his cap. And so, guys... It, yes, it is. And George H.W. Bush uh, has come out yesterday that he's going to be voting for Hillary Clinton a lot of the neocon, uh, PNAC neocon establishment Republicans seem to uh, want to vote for Hillary Clinton. They are creating the narrative and pushing the narrative in the news that um, the Trump, the possibility of a Trump presidency not only worries world leaders uh, all across the globe, but um, also worries the globalist plans, which with the media today never telling the truth, I have to wonder what their agenda is, and if that is the truth about Donald Trump, if he were to gain office to ruin their plans of globalism, I find it hard to believe that they would leave it up to a vote of the American people for a candidate, uh, you know, their agenda in, in those hands. I think they have much more control over it than they let on, but um, I don't know. I mean, things are definitely taking a turn for the weird, if anything. <laughs> All the way around, you you, know, you look at this going on in America. You look at what's going on in the Middle East. You have Turkey aligning itself uh, with Russia. Uh, the, and I'm, I'm not sure if we've gotten all the atomic weapons out of Turkey yet that, that NATO had stored there. But, man, we were almost on the 
uh, on the edge of seeing the rebirth of the Ottoman Empire as a nuclear empire. That, that's how volatile that situation has gotten. We have Israel now looking, looking to Russia uh, to bring stability, and, and the new peace talks that are coming out. America's not the one hosting them, it's Russia. And uh, this, this is actually even coloring outside the lines of what is normally taught as end-time prophecy. And uh, guys, I think we're in the most dynamic, fluid times that, that we could ever uh, have seen. Uh, I think a lot of, of what we're seeing both in America uh, is because of the prayers that are going forth. Uh, you know, you look at it, and I've kind of watched this. You know, Hillary Clinton can do no wrong. No matter what she says, no matter what she does, she gets all the limelight of the mainstream media. No matter what Trump does, it's, it's put down. And so there's there's this there's this such a dichotomy of the coverage, and, and even even uh, very prejudicial, and yet they're almost in a dead heat when it when it comes to the to the polls, and so the American people are waking up and, and they're they're looking. We don't want the global agenda, uh, guys. And, and when we see all these things and them pushing all these things. They did not originate these ideas. God put them all in the Bible a long time ago. Every bit of it validates that the Word of God is the truth, that it is from God, it is divine revelation, that God is the, is, is the true creator. And so the, the more that we see these things come to pass and they're trying to implement them, the more we can press into God because we know that no matter what they intend to do, He is still in control. You know, well, you know, can we survive if, if one gets in the presidency and the other one doesn't? We can. I think one would be a, a whole lot easier. But God doesn't fall off the throne. And, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if Caesar was on the throne. The church survived and thrived. And so we, 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 we definitely want our nation to go in a good direction. But I think that's only going to be a reflection of the direction that we have in our hearts. It's you, always you said something. You, uh, I didn't mean to over talk you. You said something interesting. It, it it doesn't. I mean, God will still be on the throne, and I think a lot of times people have this uh, sense of fatality. Not, I, I think sometimes people forget that God is in control, and, and we put so much stock into these earthly initiatives, these earthly hinge moments in history, like the elections in 2016. It's do or die. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. Paul God, calls it fatalism. Paul yeah. McGuire. Yeah. So you're right. Um, and, and right to bring it out as well, to, to, to point this out. Yeah, you know, one one way would be a lot easier. The other way would be really unhandy. <laughs> but at, <laughs> at the same time, uh, it, it's, it's still doable. I mean, when you look historically... The, the 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 Church of Jesus Christ has been pushed underground. It, it's it's they've tried to burn it out, stomp it out, wipe it out every way possible. And and what we're seeing in the Middle East, uh, the, the, I heard a story about you know when they they had those guys lined up on the uh, on the shore that they were uh, that they were Egyptian Christians that were uh, they told them, you know to renounce Christ and they wouldn't and they one by one killed them. But they never tell you about the thirteenth guy. I, I just heard about that recently. And it was Russ Dizdar that shared it. There was the 13th guy that, that the media won't cover. He just got kind of caught in the crowd. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a, an Egyptian Christian. He, he was just a secular business guy 
that they got thrown in the crowd and when and as he watched all these people give up their life for Jesus Christ and heard their testimonies when they put the knife on his neck he said I want their God hmm. I will follow this Jesus And there are more Christians, there are more Muslims co converting right now to Christianity in the Middle East than ever before in history. Mike, there's power released when someone doesn't love their life to the death. Yeah. But where it says in Revelation, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. It means that we will, we will die rather than bow. Yeah. To anyone other than Almighty God. You know, I think there's there's a mindset that's going to empower us, and it's similar to that which a Delta Force in the military has. You know, then not everybody that special forces can make it to become a Delta in the Army. But the day they become a Delta, there's one specific thing that they pack in their backpack everywhere they go. They carry their own body bag. Because the day they become a Delta, they became a Delta, they died. They didn't love their life unto death. And I, I think that same attitude. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. My life is in the hand of God. And if I'm walking with him and seeking his face, listening to his Holy Spirit, nobody, not even Lucifer himself, can take me out before my time. But my job, my job is to be like the Apostle Paul who wrote Second Timothy the day before he ran to his executioner where he says I have finished the fight I have run the race I finished the fight I do not have one thing left on my divine to-do list and I'm ready to go home hmm. and all of us have to have that attitude God give me your grace to overcome to finish my portion of what the remnant is supposed to do, finish my portion of the difference that I can make in planet Earth, whether it's a, a prayer warrior or a preacher in the pulpit or somebody handling all the audio video and making all those things work so that the, the guy preaching and doing everything else doesn't have to. Whatever that I'm supposed to do, let me do it under your leading, under your anointing and for your purpose, and let me get it all done before I go home. That needs mm -hmm. to be our heart, right? And it doesn't matter who's on the throne or who's a, who's in the office or, or which country or whatever else, as long as Jesus is on the throne and you're serving him. Your life has purpose and your life has power. And we need to quit looking at earthly things, start getting our eyes back on heavenly things. And when we do that, heaven will begin backing up what we do in the earth for him. Amen. Powerful words powerful uh a powerful statement and, and a manner in which to live wow it's fantastic okay we got uh 10 minutes left on the of the show uh so if you guys want to cover anything that we have not covered uh if you want to talk about your upcoming book or uh mary if you want to continue talking about your book we can uh, Mary Lou, wife of Dr. Michael Lake, has a book that my dad's holding right there. That's right. Um, what witches don't want Christians to know. And the term witches I find fascinating as um, I've studied some of the Salem witch trial, trials and 
uh, I find that history very fascinating and troubling at the same time. But we, we've seen a resurgence uh, in the TV and whatnot. Uh, My goodness, you you got a program called Lucifer running. You know, I mean, how far down this rabbit hole have we gone? And they've created the the international headquarters of uh, Satanism uh, in now Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah. And one thing that well, I guess while we're talking about Salem, you know, the people who came over here, the Puritans and the Pilgrims, were Bible-believing Christians who knew their Bible. Yet for some reason, when these problems became prevalent in Salem, they resorted to burning the witches instead of actually following what the Scripture said, hinting to demonic influence in the leaders of the church in their decision-making process. And that's always been something that has uh, really sparked my interest because, uh, and that could be very relevant into, you know, the witches and what we see today. As Russ Dizdar says, Wicca is the number one growing fastest religion in the country right now. And uh, what was it? What power did these witches yield, if any, over the Bible-believing Puritans that led them to do and commit crimes that were against their own religion that they knew front and back? I wonder how many of them there was infiltration where the ones doing the burning were the witches who made false accusation against Christians they were wanting to take out and get out of the way. And I, I think there was a lot of that going on, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. Hmm. Interesting concept. Go ahead. The testimony is important is is because we essentially made that claim, didn't we, honey? That that you know we're either gonna um, we're gonna stand here and either God protects us or we die, but we're not bowing our knee, and we got to live. You know, not every time that that you don't love your life to the death um, do you have to die. Sometimes God just says, well, this is where I'll show my power. And that's why there's there's such an upsurge um, of witchcraft, occult activities, because people are hungry for the supernatural. And, and this is my view on why we haven't seen the power of God. I think that there's such a, an enmeshing of occult activity and God's people right now that he has purposely not shown his power because if the gifts were really operating and gifts of healing and things like that everybody's got these back doors open to Satan and he would have come in and just wiped everybody out so God in his mercy has held back his power but he's getting ready to raise up his people and they're, they're going to shake off Babylon and Egypt and they're going to be battle ready and he's going to send them forth and then, and then when God's power is shown that's when the people in the occult will say oh my goodness yeah. there really is a greater power than what we've seen and I think, you know, we always talk about the love of God, and, and I think that's an important aspect of God, but that's not his aspect that's brought into superlative mm-hmm. in the Word of God. Before everything else, every other aspect of God has to bow to his holiness. And you know when we're going to see power, guys, is when in our eyes he becomes holy again. Mm-hmm. And we have this reverence for him, and it begins to cause us to pursue holiness uh, one of the things I, I, I show in my new book is that you know, Paul was very clear when he taught this in Ephesians. He, he, he goes this whole thing about you know putting off the old man, putting on the new. Uh, and what he was trying to show is this is the armor of God. And it can only the armor of God can go only go on where the character of Christ has been established. 
And Doug, Joe, right now, we have a lot of people right now that are on spiritual warfare battlefields that are in their BVDs because the theology has not allowed them to develop Christ-likeness, and therefore they have no armor. Mm -hmm. Mm. Very well said. We want to thank you both for taking the time tonight to spend with us and our uh, listening audience, and we're going to continue to promote uh, both of your books, all of your books, The Shinar Directive, um, Mary Lou's book, which is don't want Christians to know, as right. well as Dr. Lake's upcoming book, The Sharif Imperative. All, all good reads and all important reads for the, uh, uh, for the body and, and uh, for the information and inspiration both offer. And if I heard you right, Dr. Lake, um, at the, right around the release of your book, uh, you were thinking about doing a show with Tom Horn and Steve Quill here on the Hagman and Hagman Report? Yeah, I really hope that comes together. I think that would be a real fun show. Oh, yeah. Yes, it would. I agree, and I think our audience would uh, would definitely agree with that. In that, fact, that we just got an email about idea. that. So he, he can put that bug in, Steve, in Steve's ear for that. That sounds great. Yeah, we, it's somebody from, actually a listener from Denmark just asked when that is, and uh, my daughter just responded back, uh, it's in the works, so can't wait for that. And, folks, if you want to keep up with Dr. Lake, his website, kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. Bookmark the site. You can get the latest uh, uh, content and audio files that are up there. And there's so much more uh, resources and other things that will come in handy and are very helpful uh, on your day-to-day uh, search into the Word of Scriptures and what's going on in the world of prophecy. Absolutely. Dr. and Mrs. Lake, thank you so much for joining us tonight. God bless, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. It's been such a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you both. Have a great evening. Folks, uh, what a treat to have Mrs. Lake on, Dr. Lake on, talking about all of this. I mean, Mrs. Lake's experience, her uh, uh, diary of what happened In a small town, what witches don't want Christians to know. I'm going to reveal my ignorance and say that I did not know that book existed. Well, yeah, that's and that's my something. Fault. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, again, my wife and, and I read this book, and then we 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 felt we felt that there was a lot, well that we know there's a lot to this. It's a, it's a great read, and uh, there's a lot of information. And I think a lot of, a lot of people might look at that or read that and say, wait a minute, boy, that's familiar. This happened to me, or I'm familiar with that. It's it's something. It's an asset, and it. Um, uh, a lot of people actually have sent emails already saying, um, you know, I, does Mrs. Lake know of any place where where I could get help for this, or you know? So we will connect you as we're, uh, or you can email uh, Kingdom Intelligence Briefing directly via their website. Folks, tomorrow night, Doctor Ted Brower will be joining us as well. Uh, I'm going to reiterate something that. Uh, Debbie B had sent in from uh, California. There was a some sort of a, a mass evacuation of the Antelope Valley Mall in Palmdale, California. J.C. Penney uh, bomb threat or a suspicious, suspicious package found inside the J.C. Penney um, store, and there was a mass evacuation. And it wasn't. And since the weekend, it, there's it, been a few. It's pretty ugly. Uh, yeah. There was a pipe bomb that was detonated. Uh, by the police near Atlanta yep. uh, a day or two ago. And there's been reports of sp- sp- 
the suspicious packages yeah. around the country. One uh, that closed down portions of an airport ended up just being closed, but then you have the ones that are real legitimate threats as people are on high alert due to the recent attacks and attempted bombings. When I spoke with Dave Hodges today, we were talking about the uh, fulfillment of, of things taking place, such as the Tet Offensive. In, in a sense, I, I think that there's a lot of things that are taking place that are not being made known or made public, yep. and we have to watch this. And that's why we started the show by saying, I do believe, at least in my view, uh, the uh, concealed weapons, if you are able to, uh, and you know how to handle a gun, if you are able to, and, and whatever, well, going to leave the legalities up to you, but I do believe it's a righteous responsibility for people to protect themselves and their families, especially in today's environment. Check the gun laws in your state. Yeah. Uh, some uh, states are just open carry. You don't need a permit to do so. Other states, you need a concealed carry permit, yep. um, but they vary from state to state. And uh, be, up, be up to date with the laws. Be aware of them. Yep. And I'll say this, I will not visit any place and, and I will not, uh, be a customer anywhere where they, they don't welcome guns or they, they ban guns because talk about a, a sitting target, right? That's the way I feel. Folks, God bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much for listening. And hey, if you're a small business owner and you would like, uh, for example, like to spread the word about your service or product, visit hagmanreport.com and and look on the right-hand side, opportunities at hagmanreport.com. Until tomorrow, God bless.